2: After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
3: Adidas. Time
1: out for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Tory Krug's flying to the net, tries to keep it out, and he couldn't get there. It goes down the ice, off McCann, and a guy who was not supposed to play tonight enters the game as a late entry and gets a hat-trick, an empty net
0: goal for McCann, and a 4-1 Toronto lead. That's what it sounded like right here in your home of the Blues 101 ESPN last night. It was a rough one. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Just a terrible performance all around by your St. Louis Blues. They looked completely disinterested. They looked like they forgot they had one more game on the road trip. Like oh, we did we did it. We won back-to-back games, starting out this road trip. Our second half of the season is ready to
5: go, and now we're going back home. Just when we gave them kudos for playing well on the road yesterday, they just they happened to forget. Thought that. they
2: were coming home Tuesday, and they didn't realize there was a game in between. They're yeah. like,
0: yeah, going home. It was that was ugly. Um, in the end, they had a total of 15 shots on net, which is their fewest of the season and not just the fewest of the season. It's actually the fewest they've had in a single game since 2015.
2: It's not what you want. They had more shots blocked by Toronto than shots on goal.
0: Yeah, and this wasn't one of those games where like you have seven different shots that hit the post. They just... Were almost never in the offensive zone they would get it in there and they, they really struggled to get through that neutral zone whatever it was that the toronto was doing it it didn't seem to go well they weren't the doing much if that's what you're wondering <laughs> i didn't know if there was like this brand new defensive structure that was put yeah. into place last night that the blues had never seen before
2: toronto was running this new this new system called survive because our best defenseman is out for five games yep. Yep. and the, you know, two of their best forwards are yeah. Selkie out. for uh, forward Selkie trophy candidate. Every year is also not playing in this one. That's yep. called uh survive. And Toronto did. It, not only did they survive, they thrived last night. Is that yeah. Robertson cat. Uh, you said it's
0: Jason Robertson's brother, brother yeah. nick best robertson in the NHL. I don't want to hear any arguments otherwise. I know that technically Austin Matthews played last night. I don't remember him ever doing literally anything in that you, game.
2: He got two shots on goal in the final three minutes of the game. The Blues all the Blues almost snapped a streak of every game this season. Austin Matthews has a shot on goal, and they lost.
0: It didn't matter though because they had this Robertson cat who I'd never heard of prior to last night really
2: oh, man. and he they got is the superstar amazing. the uh, future hall of famer bobby mcmahon that, <laughs> that dude was everywhere. decided to
0: show up against the blues can the blues trade for him and robertson
2: like just <laughs> fill the middle six with those two i feel like their film session was all right guys we got william neil right here we Got Austin matthews right here you gotta watch out for these two don't worry
0: about these guys worry about these two it was the classic if these guys beat you yeah, you tip your cap and say say good night well, they did. They, not only did they beat you, one of them had a hat trick by the <laughs> end of the night. It, I, I thought we were done with this. I think that was my biggest takeaway from the game, Alex, and it was what was most disappointing to me. I didn't think that we were going to have these kinds of stinkers coming out of the break. Now, I know they did it right before the break with the game in Columbus, but then they came out, and, like, everything you wanted to see in the first two games on this road trip, you saw it from them. They go up to Toronto. I thought they would be inspired. Like, you've won two straight games. You're going to the mecca of the NHL in Toronto where, like, this is where you go if you want to be recognized as a really good team. Play well against Toronto. That's the way to do it, man. Even if it's a performance that doesn't match what what you've done the rest of the year, the NHL hockey community, whether it's media, players alike, they watch those games. They see what Toronto is doing, and so you, by virtue of being against them, will get eyeballs. And they went up there and I, I think played maybe one of the five worst games that they've played this season. It just brutal, man. Every possible way
2: to me, that this was one of the games, just like the Columbus blue jackets, the blues still have a focus problem. And what I mean by that is like, when you look at the best teams in the NHL, they know that you can't take a night off. They know that regardless of who the opponent is a team that's in the bottom of the standings, a team that's in a eight game losing streak. If we show up and in half asset, they're going to bring it to us. And what's so odd about that is there were two games coming out of the All-Star break that I would have thought the Blues would have fallen victim to there with the Buffalo Sabres, a team that is out of the playoff race. The Montreal Canadiens, a team that's the seventh worst team in their division. But instead, the Blues saw that a team was without their best defenseman in Morgan Riley, a team was without two of their best forwards in Mitch Marner and John Tavares. And a team that had a AHL goaltender as the backup with Sam Sonoff in between the pipes. That game felt like the Blues said, ah, well, this team's in shambles. All we got to do is just go out there and put 50% of the effort in and we'll find a way to push back. And they didn't do it. The problem was to Toronto Maple Leafs what they forgot was the Toronto Maple Leafs came into this game losing to the Ottawa Senators. They've lost two of their last three. They were a little pissed off that their best defenseman got five-game suspension, which probably wasn't deserved in their eyes. They were a more desperate team than you. And this is the focus that I still think the Blues are trying to figure out. There are times this season that the Blues have gone into a game, Columbus Blue Jackets before the break, the Toronto Maple Leafs with this one. I can think of the San Jose Sharks game where they did this, the Chicago Blackhawks game if they go into games where they feel like, ah, you know what? We're playing well right now. We can get back to a little bit more skill and that can lead us to a victory or we could just kind of... We can glide our way through, and by the third period, we're still in it. We'll come back into this one, and, and last night, they didn't have the chance to.
0: Didn't we just talk about this yesterday? I was just giving them credit. No more excuses. They're just going out there and playing their game. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. Doesn't yeah, matter call where that they're that at. we that the BKO. Uh, apparently, that wasn't the case last night. Braden Shin came out afterwards, and I, I'm just so sick of hearing it. It doesn't matter. He's just saying stuff to give answers. I, I understand that. I'm not mad at Braden Shin. I'm just mad that it continues to be the go-to excuse He's like yeah you know we saw that they had a few players out i don't think everybody brought their energy i loved what drew banister said when asked after the game yesterday hey this is what braden shin had to say do you think that's maybe why you guys came out a little sluggish here's what he had to say there's no easy games in this league and it doesn't matter who who our opponent is we have to be ready to play regardless who's in the lineup or not you know the important the, the points are too important right now and uh, and to think that any game is going to be easy regardless who's in the lineup is you know that that's we can't be thinking that. We can't have that mindset huh, at any time.
2: It's weird. Sounds like something another former Blues head coach sure. had said multiple times this season. Well, what Hitchcock. I loved
0: even more than what that answer is, if you go back and watch the video of it, you can see him just disgusted. Oh, he's pissed. The yeah. first like, three seconds, more words. <laughs> we cut it out because there's no need to have it for. a audio medium, but the first like three or four seconds is just him looking at it and being like rolling his eyes and being like, no, that's not why we lost tonight. And if they weren't prepared for this game, it's on them. Yeah, Like the,
2: this, this is what I talked about when, and look, I'm not rehashing the past and we've talked about the Ruby. It's probably good that they moved on, but this is why I was so frustrated. You as a group of players, you saw the recipe to success in the previous two games, net front presence, put shots on net guys. There was nobody around the net last night. Other than your fourth line, by the way, your fourth line had five shots on goal. Your top six forwards had a combined five shots on mm-hmm. goal. That's a problem, but there was no net front presence. There was no sustained puck offensive zone time. There was no four check. It was just a, Oh, we'll skate in up. Nope, nothing there. We'll dump it in, dump it back out. That that's the frustrating part. That's why at the time I was looking at it saying, guys, it's a focusing. It's a player thing. The players just decide when they wanted to go play.
0: And I think that is why I'm frustrated today. We get this from the 618. And by the way, the Air Comfort Service x line three one four three nine 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 six four six. 3014-399-9646. You guys can also check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash 101 ESPN STL. That is where the Air Alliance cam uh, Air Alliance team studio cams are presenting the presentation over on YouTube. You guys can get involved in the chat, youtube.com slash 101 ESPN STL. That is where the graveyard is. But from the 618. Oh my god, you guys are so crushed every time that the Blues lose a game, you act as if this is a team that should be a Stanley Cup contender. That's not how I feel at all. I don't mind when this team loses. For the most part, if they lose a game or they go out there, they play well, Like I don't have a lot of takeaways from that. That's expected from a team like this. What happened last night, when you have the fewest shots on net that you've had in nearly a decade as an organization... That's different. That's not the same kind of a loss. This is this is unique in how much you got dominated mm-hmm. by a team that was without three of their, like, seven best players. Yeah. that That is not the same as just going out there and losing. If you go out and lose to somebody three to two, you played a pretty strong game, a couple of pucks bounced the other whatever, dude. Like, yeah. it's cool. I understand that that's going to be a part of the way that this works. Even the best teams are going to lose, like, 25, 30 times this season. So I get it. The way that you lose matters. The way that they lost to Detroit is why Craig Berube lost his job. The way that they lost through the losing streak last year is why they traded all of those guys as they started to play better last year at the deadline. The way that they lost last night was different, and it was something that had meaning to me. And it's why, when I read earlier today over on The Athletic from Pierre Lebrun... A quote from Doug Armstrong about what the Blues plans are at the trade deadline, it made sense to me. Doug Armstrong said the following, Alex, when you're in that mucky middle, it's more than a year away for you. When you've been a competitive team for a long time, you have to be realistic about how quickly you can get back in there. But I think you want to tell your organization that we can do it quickly if we do it correctly. But what you believe in June or July, you have to continue believing that in January and February. Pierre Lebrun's takeaway from his conversation with Doug Armstrong, quote, I think that's a mighty hint that playoff spot or not, come March 8th, Doug Armstrong will not be swayed from his overall plan in this retool. I think that's correct. Even though the Blues had been playing much better hockey lately, this is still a team that is in the midst of a retool. And to answer the question that we asked the other day, like, do you try pushing a little further? Does this year change whether or not you think that this is a retool? The answer is no, this is still what it was coming into the season. And last night's
2: game is a perfect reminder of that. Yeah. I I think Doug Armstrong is absolutely correct. And Pierre LeBron nailed it. Like, We never should have thought Doug was going to push the envelope and go after something. Now, we'll get into this a little bit later. I don't think Doug should shut the door on making moves, but you're not going to be selling first-round draft picks or prospects to bring in something because, as Doug said in the article, you're not one move away from being a better team than most of the teams in the Western Conference. You're a group mentality away from being better than some of these teams in the Western Conference. Do I think the Blues could sneak into the playoffs and steal a playoff game? Absolutely, because you've got better goaltenders than most of the teams you'll be facing off against. But you're not going to go out there and make a trade for a top six winger and trade away uh, Jimmy Snuggerud for it because that doesn't benefit you. The, The plan is in place. Doug has mentioned it multiple times. He told us about a month ago. Still looking at kind of a three year window before they're back to that competitive stage. And this is just a step in the right direction. And the trade deadline's not going to make a difference.
0: 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line. That's the easiest way to get involved in the show. You guys, like I said, can get involved over on YouTube as well in the chat. But that be is nice. the graveyard. Yeah, please please be Come nice on. to us.
2: Kind words.
0: Alex is a sensitive soul. Very will show true. you his nipples if you I really will. want him to. I thought about it at the beginning Ooh.
2: of the show, but you know. FCC I don't, and stuff. I don't sell my body that easy, you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> you gotta be paid a little yeah. bit more. It's gotta we're be a little bit more for push
2: for it. a raise if we're gonna be doing stuff like 50 that. 50 bucks on it.
0: Coming up in 15 <laughs> minutes.
2: 50, 10. 5. 5. <laughs> 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 I gotta go to Valentine's Day dinner tonight with my wife. Come on, just pay for dinner.
0: NFL Quick Hitters is coming up in 15 minutes, but coming up next. Guys, we got an update on Yadier Molina and what his role's gonna be for the Cardinals early on in spring training. We'll tell you about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast Presented
1: by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN
0: What's well, up, Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson I'm Brandon Kylie. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN So we got an update on Yaddy or Molina Yaddy, 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 Yaddy Future
2: manager Yeah, that still might be the case Well, that's why he's
0: Go ahead. John Mosaylock was asked earlier this morning. He was given his full Cardinals day one up, day down in Jupiter. Hey, what's Yachty's plan? When's he going to get here? We've got pitchers. We've got catchers. A bunch of the position players have arrived early. Uh, The expectation is that both Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt will be there today. Everybody's arriving. When's Yachty get here, Mo? Special advisor. Well, he's, he's going to work with Wilson Contreras, with, working with Contreras and the young catchers. He's going to try to help out the pitchers going to really uh, endear himself to this version of the team. He doesn't know most of these starters, right? Like he's got to get to know them this off season. John Mosellock has said that Yadier Molina will not join the club in Jupiter for quote, several weeks, end quote, after spending most of the winter managing in Puerto Rico and then the Caribbean series, He just yesterday got a new job as a manager for a Puerto Rican
2: team. That's what they meant by special advisor. Decides when he wants to do what he wants to do. Yeah. Good good, 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 this, good, good The good, good, vibes
0: good. of this Yadier Molina thing, man, could not be coming off in a worse way Anybody so else far. still
2: picking up good vibrations for this no, upcoming Cardinal season? Absolutely not. The facilities, the age of the pitching staff, now Yadier Jersey but, suck. But,
5: can, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, who Except got for Arnado. Bad? Did you see Arnado's quote? They're, they're the best thing he's ever <laughs> did worn. Dan
2: Simbrowski tweet out and he like showed like the measurement between numbers at the top and the bottom and they're like completely off. It's, they're horrible and the play Seem to be really upset
0: by it, like genuinely upset. <laughs> Just so far, it's you wear the jersey for a month, like, what does it matter? Oh, oh th- these are though what they're probably going to be wearing during the season. Like, like these they- are like the actual <laughs> yeah, oh dear. god, that's yeah. bad.
2: What a bad. So, can I give you a tinfoil on this though? Sure, because maybe is it the jersey or the audience. No, it's yeah, the one? One. Yeah, There's no tinfoil in oh, yeah, the jersey. That, that sucks. sucks.
0: I want to go back. Let's go back in our way back machine. <laughs> we, we don't do need
2: do 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 do.
3: Do. <laughs>
0: We're going to (laughs) rewind. Sounds like bunny rabbit. We're going back to winter warm-up about a month ago. John Moseluk was asked by Jeff Jones. Hey, you know, you, you hired Yadier Molina. This is a guy that wants to be a manager. He's doing managing right now in the Caribbean series. He has obviously a long history with the Cardinals. He's a fan favorite. Like, Mo, do you worry that there might be a little bit of public perception that Yadier is here? to replace Ollie Marmol, who is entering the final year of his contracts, And at the time, this is what John Moselock had to say.
3: I can understand why it would be a question. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could become real. We'll find oh, out. Okay. But I, I don't think entering into this would make sense to, like, approach it that way. Uh, you know, clearly, I'm a big advocate for Ollie. I believe in him. And, but we also recognize, like, last year was not good. And so... <laughs> You know, we have to make some adjustments. We have to do some things differently, and, and, and hopefully we do it in a successful manner.
2: Sometimes I love the way Mo answers questions. <laughs> so he had
0: that, and now he's saying, Yeah, Yachty will be here in a few weeks. Like, we have, what is it, six weeks of spring training in total? Yeah, essentially. A little less than that with like actual stuff taking place. Hopefully, they're on their ready to go to LA. This is the time that you would most want Yachty or Molina to be around your team because this is the time where you can really have him like instilling his values of, like, what it means to work hard and, hey, let's work on this pitch. And instead he's going to – I don't blame him for it. I'm not mad at Yaddy or Molina, but it's just a reminder – man, all of this is nonsense, all of it. Yaddy is going to be here, as you said, Alex, when he wants to be here, which might not be very often. The odds are definitely in favor of him, like, being here for maybe three weeks out of this next year. And I I just find the whole thing to be really strange – and the more I think of it, the more it feels like what the Cardinals did is, hey, let's get him on the payroll so he doesn't take a job elsewhere. Yeah. That way, just in case something goes wrong, we've got him here.
2: Yeah. Alex, what's your tinfoil? Yeah, I mean, like, let's not make a mountain out of a molehill with something like this. Like he's a special advisor and Yachty does what Yachty does. We saw that his final season in St. Louis. My my tinfoil with this is let's let's stay in that way back time machine that you were in, BK. Diddle, diddle, diddle. Uh, when you were getting into radio, when you were a young, young child, young lad, young lad, scrapping lad, scrapping, strapping, doesn't sure, I mean. matter.
0: I don't know that I would call myself Buf- scrapping, but you, you know. still aren't, but it's fine. <laughs> I was a lad nonetheless. Come on. It's Valentine's Day, man. Show
2: some love. But before you got a job in radio, they would tell you, you got to go get some experience. You sure. got to go get some life experience. You got to figure out what this job entails. And- All right. Now, fast forward. Mo's essentially telling Yachty or Molina like, hey, man. Go learn about being a manager elsewhere before you take this job at the All Star break because you're going to be our manager at the All Star break. So go get some experience. You were with Team Puerto Rico. You won. Congratulations. What? You got another opportunity to go be a manager? Go take that. Show up at spring training whenever you need to. We don't need you for spring training. Ollie can handle that. It is weird, right?
0: Like, I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. I'm really not. The Cardinals do this for themselves. They did it with Wilson Contreras. They did it with Tyler Oniola That one I, I oh, that were, one went were well. probably right about. But like, And then they did it going into the offseason with the pitching, right? Hey, we need three starters. No, we need two and a half. No, we need three. And let's get geriatrics to be in our rotation instead of, you know, getting guys that are 30 years old. They, they do this. To themselves, and I, I like the Sonny Gray signing. I thought it was a really good one. I like one of Kyle Gibson or Lance Lynn. <laughs> Didn't love signing both of them, but Can whatever. Can you pick one already? You, just keep saying, going, you keep always just, just saying two. Yeah. Pick your
5: favorite one. Yeah, that's one. just
2: saying you like one of your
5: kids. Yeah. Which one do
2: you really like? I, I would have gone Kyle Gibson.
0: I, I think Kyle Gibson made more shirts. But Lance they clearly Lynn. wanted the leadership Could've of the Lance none. Lynn side of things. So whatever, if that's what they preferred, I got no problem with that but i would have then waited to find out hey is the market going to come back to us on one of montgomery or snell cuz if it does let's like let's explore that a little bit cuz those guys are way better than what we can get elsewhere on the market right now they continue to do this always and alex i left myself open to the notion that hey maybe this year's going to be different they won 70 games it was the worst season in 30 years i think you yelled at us and division. told us
2: they they they'll learn from their mistakes not us you i yelled at you, well, you and i was wrong
0: lot. I was loud wrong on that subject. And so now, as I continue to follow the breadcrumbs, because they left the breadcrumbs for you if you were willing to listen going into the offseason about, hey, mm, not the big starters, but, you know, we'll get, like, Sonny Gray. got big If I follow the breadcrumbs here, it sure feels like you're not wrong about what you're saying here, Alex. Hey, go get some experience. You're going to be our next manager. I like Oliver Marmel. I think he should be the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. I think he... Did not do a great job last year, but that was not his fault. I think the roster was a mess and nobody was going to have a lot of success with what was in place last year. And now you've got this as the backdrop to the start of the season when the entire camp by Oliver Marmol has been labeled camp trust. I can't trust what they're doing right now with Yadier Molina. It feels like there's some backstabbing that's taking place for the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals leading into the 2024 season. So it's just... It's a really weird thing that this is the way that everything is beginning when all of it was supposed to be like, hey, let's have a come to Jesus moment. Let's all get on the same page, pulling the rope in the same direction it feels like there's already ropes that are being pulled in opposite directions. And we're on literally day one of spring training. It's crazy.
2: Last year felt like a soap opera. I have a very strong feeling that this year is also going to feel like a soap opera. I feel like the Cardinals are going to be the talk of major league baseball and not in a good way at the beginning of this season. And everything's going to be surrounding it. You're going to be talking about Yachty. You're going to be talking about how much pressure's on Ollie, some of the new faces and then underperforming guys. And then this and that and that it's going to be days of our lives St. Louis Cardinals edition. And I'm not sure they're going to be able to navigate through it for three months. And what's going to happen is Yachty's going to come in at the all-star break. Everybody's going to act like he comes in to save the day. And then it's going to be, they make a push at the end and the Cardinals will pull the same old stuff that they typically do and say, Oh, well we, if we would have done what we did in the second half and the first half, we probably would have gotten to the playoffs, but it'll be something we could build off of like the narrative writes itself for you guys.
5: Man, I, I wish I could even say like I disagree, but no, it's a hundred percent that it all just just feels off. And, and for like what BK said, where it is supposed to be like, hey, we're all pulling in the same direction. We we learn from the blunders of our PR nightmare we created by ourselves last year. It, it's back to feeling like the same old thing, and it's not just you know, the PR from the front office and what this says, it's also hearing already kind of the uh, upset of the players and kind of what feels like excuses of the locker room's a mess, you know, the jerseys suck. Like, it all just feels like it's going to snowball to where April's going to be a disaster, and then you're just going to see them really panic, and then, who knows, that may be, it may not even be the All-Star break before you see
2: Yachty. here! <laughs>
5: <laughs> well... That's not the only thing
0: Mo said today. Oh, great! He was also asked about he his pitching going? staff, and oh. specifically the age of his pitching staff. Did he did he pat himself on the back? Oh, of course, I did a good
2: job, guys. "Quote:
0: Unlike our upcoming presidential
2: election."
0: Oh. <laughs> editorial note here. <laughs> oh God, Mo, where are you going here? God, please, Mo. He no. continued, "I am not overly concerned about the age in this current state. I do feel like what we missed a lot last year was experience." When you're trying to take on or take or tie age and experience together, it's usually pretty common. Going down that path, we knew it was likely that we'd end up with an older staff, end quote. Alex.
2: <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> Most. <laughs> I can't let this guy me in. Some of the stuff he
0: says. First of all, just random non sequitur of, unlike the presidential election that is going to take this nation by storm next, I don't know, nine months.
2: Now let's finish my comment. Let me
0: tell you about the one thing that in St. Louis might be more of a hot topic, which is our pitching staff. I'm not worried about the age of him, even though everybody else seems to. Dude, every season, Mo has something that reporters bring to him. That's like a legitimate question about his pitching staff where they're like, hey, Mo, you've got like five guys in your pitching staff that have thrown a combined 500 innings over the last calendar year. You worried? And he's like, no, worried about innings Innings don't matter innings. And then they trade for, you know, John Lester, Jay Happ and and Wade LeBlanc LeBlanc that Uh, uh. saves their asses in the middle of the season. And then the next year. Mo, you, you have a lot of guys that it feels like you
5: probably can't trust. Did you learn from last year, Mo? Not, Do you no. feel like
0: maybe you need to, you know, bring in some more help? He's like, no, 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 guys, we're good here. And then at the middle of the season, they get Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery to be able to bolster the rotation. And then finally, the third year in a row, the reporters continue to ask, Hey, Mo, you, you've got a rotation that has a lot of questions, and in each of the last two seasons, you've had to trade for multiple starters at the deadline. Because all of the questions that you said were going to be fine were very much not fine. Do you feel like maybe you should have added another? No, 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 no. no. And then they win 70 games. And so now as he's asked about the age of his rotation, instead of admitting like, yeah, it's something that might be a concern. We're not worried about that. Might be an issue for the president, not for our pitching staff. What
2: is so poetic about this is... Mo is saying he's not concerned with age when when literally the down spiral of your season last year was the age of your pitching staff.
5: Yeah, Adam Wainwright, (laughs) father time, finally won against Adam Wainwright. And the funny thing is, is like, you know, it's not like I'm just saying that because Adam Wainwright was, what, 41 or 42 last year. Guys, I want to... Bring up a current cardinal that was a former cardinal at one point as well, and Matt Carpenter, whose father time beat him at age 33 and 34 and 35. And the cardinal
2: said, Let's and then bring the Cardinals
5: brought in pitchers, which is the most volatile position in the game, that are in that age range, and said, nah, it's fine." What?
2: But I uh, got this text here from the six one eight. I don't
5: like this Cardinals team already.
2: <laughs> got this one. I'm out. Do you guys ever talk positively about any St. Louis major team? Or is it just the Chiefs? Well,
5: they I, won something. I'm the one Bo that's... can't been, win in October.
2: Okay. Can't win in April.
5: Okay. <laughs> the, the thing that's so
0: funny about that is I'm the guy that gets crushed for being positive about the Cardinals. I'm Mo BK. I've got my boat bow tie on over here. I, I think the Cardinals are... Are probably gonna be okay this year. Not great, but I think I think they're mostly gonna be okay. I, I do have some concerns about the age of the rotation. I do have some concerns about the fact that they're going into the season and like they they don't seem to have a ton of answers when it comes to their rotation beyond Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson and Stephen Matz and Miles Michaelis, all of whom have serious questions heading into this season. I would also add this. Somebody else on the text line said, guys, there's no
2: such thing as adding young pitchers (laughs) in free agency. Jordan Montgomery is six years younger than both players that they added for a combined $24 million. Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell will very likely end their next long-term contract
0: before the age in which Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson will pitch for the Cardinals this year. You can get not... Not young guys. Like You're not going to get a 25-year-old in in free agency that's a starter. But you can get guys that aren't 36 or 37, which is what the Cardinals decided to add this past offseason. It sounds like Justin Verlander's got a shoulder issue that's going to prevent him from starting out the season uh, this year. Guess what? He's old. Zach Greinke is not going to pitch as of today. Adam Wainwright not pitching as of today. I haven't seen it. Rich Hill's not starting for somebody, right? He doesn't have a job right now. Um, Max Scherzer, do we know is he going to start the no, season? He's going oh, to miss. Oh, do a back injury. Mm-hmm. The pitchers that will start on opening day that are older than Lance Lynn are Charlie Morton, and that's it. <laughs> like that's the end of the list. That he started at least twenty games year. a year ago. Guys that are older than Kyle Gibson that are expected to be a part of a staff on opening day. Lance Lynn, part of you. Uh, Charlie Morton, you Darvish, Wade Miley, Carlos Carrasco. You have. Two of the seven oldest starters in the league. That's the two guys that you signed. So let's not act as if there was no other opportunity to go out there and add somebody that was younger. They not only went to the went to the market and said, we need experience. They went to the market and said, who are the oldest pitchers that are available that we can get for the shortest deals possible? That's who we want to add to the Cardinals rotation. They can sell you it. Otherwise, that's what they did. And that, that's the way that they went about their offseason. All right. Coming up next. Yeah, let's start being a little bit more positive. What's let's coming up next? some NFL quick hitters. I got to uh, talk positive Chiefs. about the Chiefs here on 101 <laughs> ESPN. <laughs> time to talk positive which means it's time to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs with Alex and T-bone on BK you've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN just trying to endear myself to the audience because you guys love the Chiefs you're love
5: all our chief talk on Monday you don't
0: you you tell me you hate the Chiefs but you actually love the Chiefs and even if you hate them you watch them and how I know that is because St. Louis was the fourth highest rated market in the country. Blues could have done for that. this year's Super Bowl. It was the third consecutive playoff game in which St. Louis was a top five market for the Chiefs playoff game. Specifically, Alex, the highest rated markets in the country for this one. No surprise. Kansas City was number one. That's what you'd expect. At number two, you had uh, Pittsburgh. At number three, you had Cleveland. And then after that, it was St. Louis tied with Milwaukee and Denver. So they hate watching? I think it's a little bit of both. I think you have some in St. Louis that watch the Chiefs because they hate them. And I think you have a lot of people in in St. Louis that watch the Chiefs because either they have adopted them as a fan base... Or they have always liked the Chiefs. I think there, there's some crossover in Kansas City with the Cardinals where there are Cardinals fans that live in Kansas City because why would you root for the Royals when you can root for the Cardinals is basically what they would say. I think there's some of that here in, in St. Louis as well where people just like, they, hey, look at that. That team looks really fun. I, I'm going to root for them. So I think there's some of that as well. And then I do think there's some like, hey, I just really love football, man. And that team is a potential dynasty. Now I believe at is a dynasty I do find it interesting, though, that here in St. Louis,
2: fourth highest rated market in the country. What do you make of it? I don't find it that interesting. I I think there's a group of people that like to act as if they despise the Chiefs and, you know, "Uh, I hate football, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure there are some that do. But I think a majority of people in St. Louis still at least enjoy watching football, especially when it comes to the Super Bowl. And when you got Kansas City, it's so funny because I was watching it on Sunday uh, with my family and my mom was like, you're not rooting for the Chiefs? And I said, well, no, I hate BK, and I want to see him be upset. And she goes, how do you not root for the team that's in your state? And I'm like, I don't know. I just don't like BK. But I think there are a lot of people that feel that way, not that they hate BK. No, bad too. Well, that too. No, they say, they that root for like a, a Kansas on City Monday. team, because if you're watching football, you're going to root for the team that's at least within close vicinity.
5: Yeah, I think it is a lot of either you, you like the Chiefs, you kind of hate watching them, you are looking for the 49ers, or, or you're like someone like... Me, who's more of a neutral fan. I mean, I'm still a Rams fan, but more neutral to all the teams. And then the reason you're invested, why? Because you played a lot of fantasy football wherever you were, you know? So in the regular season, you're kind of locked in, and then you get to the playoffs, and you just want to see how it ends up panning out. So... I, I find it interesting. I was surprised that St. Louis was fourth. I figured they'd be pretty high up on that sure. list, but I, I was a little surprised that it got all the way into the top five. Somebody said, guys, let's be honest, you're reaching here. It's the Super Bowl. That's why people watched it. Nothing more, nothing
0: less. That would be Super the case every yeah. year. And it would be the case if it was only the Super Bowl, where these numbers were indicative of St. Louis being a bigger market for the Chiefs than others across the country. St. Louis was a top five market for the Kansas City Chiefs playoff games in every single round this year in the postseason. That that is indicative that there is something that is happening here in this market whether we like it or not like I I I don't really have a take on whether or not you should be rooting for the Chiefs I, I don't care if you guys hate the Chiefs that's totally fair like if you still have a vendetta against the NFL I get it I don't blame you for that whatsoever but what I do think is happening here is like there is a decent portion of our listening audience right now that has adopted the Chiefs for one reason or another and if that is going to be the case then to answer the questions that we've had over the last week or so like hey are you guys going to continue talking about the Chiefs as long as they're good yes I'm not going to pigeonhole them into our conversations just because I like the Chiefs we don't talk about the Royals on this show because they don't matter they're totally irrelevant now we do talk on this show a decent amount about the Dodgers and the Phillies because they matter they're relevant here in St. Louis to what the Cardinals are doing And the same thing is true about the Chiefs. They matter on a national stage, just like the 49ers do, the Eagles do, etc. So yes, we will continue talking about them, but not because they're local, because they're relevant on a national stage. Speaking of the 49ers, Alex, they've got some big decisions this offseason to make. Maybe most notably is what they're going to do with Brandon Ayuk. And this situation could be the latest reminder of how hard it is to maintain a Super Bowl roster. His brother was on Instagram the other day saying how he wants to get out of San Francisco and he wants to be a Las Vegas Raider. He wants to be done there. This is his final year of his contract. Now, the 49ers have said publicly, we would like to keep Brandon Ayuk. We want him to be part of the core moving forward. Alex, how do you view this situation moving forward? And if you're the 49ers, if you could get a first round pick for Brandon, Ayuk, do you consider taking that? Yeah,
2: I think you have to. And I know it sounds crazy to say because Brandon, Ayuk arguably is their best wide receiver. And I know because of Debo Samuel, but Debo's just so inconsistent now with health that you just can't rely on him. But and I know I make fun of the Cardinals about this. In this situation for football players, if a guy doesn't want to be there, man, he checks out and doesn't play. And if you don't believe me, watch Stefan Diggs with Buffalo this year, like checks out and doesn't perform. So if you're San Francisco, you've got a window that you need to capitalize on before Brock Purdy starts demanding money. So if I can get a first round pick, or maybe I can get another wide receiver elsewhere, I got to capitalize on it. If Brandon, Ayuk doesn't want to be there. If he wants to go to Vegas and Vegas is going to give me their first round pick. Sure. Make the trade and then go into the draft. See if you get a wide receiver and reset the clock financially with that, or maybe turn that first round pick into another wide receiver on another team. They would do
0: essentially what the Vikings did with Stefan Diggs, to your point, prior to they drafted Justin Jefferson with the Diggs pick. So you could, you could
2: potentially, where does Vegas pick? Uh, they're they're pretty early. I think they're like top fifteen. So, this year. and I don't know if you get that for Brandon Ayuk. Maybe something else has to go in there. But it would be really interesting if Vegas traded Devonte Adams
0: that would and be then a good traded one. for Brandon Ayuk and ended up kind of coming out in the wash, right? Like maybe you trade Devonte Adams. I don't know who the teams are this offseason have the most uh, well, not, have the most cap. Well, space, not Kansas City, but. I would be interested to see him in, like, Washington, especially with Washington now getting a a top three pick at the quarterback position or trade him to New England, maybe. They've got a quarterback that's going to be coming in this offseason, and then that that team ends up with Brandon Ayuk. Maybe they draft a quarterback as well. Could be an interesting way to go about it.
5: Yeah, see, I I wouldn't trade Ayuk. If I'm San Francisco, we mentioned this uh, Monday, I think it was, BK. Next year feels like their last kind of all-in year before things get really difficult when – cap space really starts to crunch on them so if i'm san francisco man, i'm holding on to Iuk and i understand what alex is saying of like you see guys check out man he's got to still prove it next year because he will be a ufa at the end of the year so he cannot check out if he wants his big payday so if i'm san francisco I'm saying, tough luck, man. You're back here, and we need you to go win a Super Bowl.
0: All right, next thing up here, we are talking about the Chiefs, but more we're talking about who they should play. Week one is the big game every year, right? You got the Thursday night football game. The Chiefs will be getting their rings. They do the whole ceremony, all that nonsense before the game. But it is a big game every year. Last year, they put the Chiefs against the Lions. It ended up being a potential Super Bowl matchup that we could have seen a week ago. Alex, who do you want to see the Chiefs play in week one? I'll give you the options. These are the, from top to bottom, the most likely to least likely, according to Vegas, week one opponent the Chargers, the Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Houston Texans, Raiders, Broncos, Bucks, Saints. Who would you most
2: want to see the Chiefs play in week one? Houston next year? Texans. I want to see the GOAT versus the Young Buck. I want to see CJ Stroud versus Patrick Mahomes, especially depending on what the Texans do this offseason. That's that's that would be my ideal starting kickoff to the NFL season is the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Houston Texans.
5: I would go LA Chargers. I want to see the new new look Chargers under Harbaugh with fun. his new squad, Justin Herbert. This is supposed to be the year where the Chargers finally get this turnaround because they got rid of their Achilles heel and Brandon Staley. I want to see them in week one because they play the Chiefs real well too every time. So that's that's the matchup I want to see.
0: So a lot of people are saying, what about what about the Bills? Because the Bills that's a game I'm not I'd have to check to make sure they're even on the schedule next year, but they gotta be, if, right? If they are, it's that is a road. game that you'd want for later on in the season. That's on the road. If, if that's kind of the that's the what
5: I'm saying though, is if that's who they're playing, it would be on the road. Because all these teams that they have listed our home team that's kind of my thought with the game for the chiefs that's kind of my thought with the chargers too
2: though i think i'd rather see the chargers later in the season yeah i i would want to see the Bengals.
0: joe burrow coming back they're also the team that i want to see at the end of the season too though fair i just i think that's a great kickoff to the super bowl or to to the season i think that could be the afc championship game next year i think joe burrow's the second best quarterback in the league he's the one guy that is a chiefs fan he scares the hell out of me dude because that guy has made Mahomes bleed he's like the only guy that He has the ball at the end of the game. Mahomes has the ball at the end of the game. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go here because I could see either of them one-upping the other. Joe Burrow is that dude. He's the one guy that has shown an ability that is currently active to beat Mahomes in the playoffs. Nobody else active has done it. That would be my week one matchup, personally. But I totally see the appeal of the Chargers, and I think that's ultimately the way that they go. It's Jim Harbaugh, man. You get him opening night of the season with the Chargers, Justin Herbert. I'm sure they'll make some kind of a splash this offseason. I would bet that's the way that it ends up going, but I would personally like to see him play against the Cincinnati Bengals. Coming up at the top of the hour, do the Cardinals have a pitcher on the staff right now that matches what Adam Wainwright describes as a number one starter? We'll get into that coming up here in just a little bit. Questions and answers coming up next.
1: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN.
0: nine nine six four six is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers if you guys have any questions get them in now on the air comfort service text line you can also get them in on the youtube chat youtube.com slash 101 espn stl i've got a question for you guys first before we get to our text line if you don't mind there was a report that came out earlier today that the warriors tried to make a trade at the deadline for lebron james there was also a report that the Philadelphia 76ers attempted to engage with the Lakers in a deal that would have sent LeBron to the Sixers. Now, that deal quickly died after the Lakers apparently asked for Joel Embiid. Huh. Who could have seen that one coming? But the Warriors apparently, like, really were trying to trade for him, and then it ended up that the Lakers said, hey, LeBron, do do you want to be here? We'll send you to to Golden State, if that's what you want, what what do you want? And he said I'd like to be here, so uh, that's where we're at. But he does have an opt out this summer, which means he possibly ends up going elsewhere. Would you guys be interested in seeing LeBron with Steph Curry in Golden State? Is that
2: something that you think is pretty cool? No, pretty cool. I, I'm pretty cool. I, I think I'm kind of done with the LeBron. Like, where do I want to see him go? Like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm kind of done with the saga. Like, I think he could just kind of retire and. You're still good, though. I don't care. Okay. I don't care. The the time you win championships is with somebody else. So, yeah, cool, cool. Congrats <laughs> going to the Golden State Warriors. You're going to go get another one because you're going to play with another great player. Who was the guy that won without a great Kyrie player? Kyrie Irving. Oh, I thought you were going to say when he won in no. Cleveland because that was the better. He was better than LeBron's that year. Okay. True.
5: You have, of course, everybody
2: that
0: won.
5: Kobe you know, was the guy that it, won le- with nobody. LeBron just did it with the Lakers, man. Let's be honest. AD hasn't been Shaq? around. Shaq?
2: After Shaq. When he was 24 Kobe, not 8 Kobe.
5: Okay. He had
2: Paul. Yeah. Gasol.
0: Paul was old. Kyle Gasol was amazing. He was a tremendous cool. player. Sure. Yeah. Old. Would you be interested in seeing him in Golden State, t
5: Not really. Yeah. I, I, I've said, like, if, if he doesn't want to be a Laker, I'd prefer he go back to Cleveland. Cleveland or Miami. Like, I'd listen to the... You brought up Miami yeah. when we brought this up. I just don't have interest in seeing him with, like, playing with his best friends and Stephen Curry and all them. Like, I... I don't know. I, I am a little disappointed though that he turned down a trade because if I'm LeBron, man, you're not winning anything with the Lakers. That yeah. team stinks, stinks, stunk. I think he doesn't want to move in the season. Oh, he's so in, tough. Yeah, he's
2: in LA. Like, yeah. He wants to retire, or not retire? But when he's done, he's going to be invested in the the movie scene, Hollywood scene. So he's already there. So if you're going to trade him, trading with the Clippers. Oh. Don't really think that makes a difference. Their team stinks, stank, stunks, too. Dude, they're good. They're good this year. I they're don't know. old, just as ah, the Lakers are.
0: Just, to, to be clear, I don't believe in it. I would absolutely not bet on them to win a title. I don't trust isn't them to is that stay Paul healthy. George and Kawhi? No. Uh, Paul George is with the uh Phoenix Suns now. But that hasn't gone as well as anybody expected it to. But
2: I thought Kevin Durant was
0: with the Phoenix yeah. Suns. He what? is also with the Phoenix Suns.
2: Are you talking about? Paul
5: George is with the Clippers still, isn't
2: he? Yes. And he's with Kawhi.
5: Yeah Are you talking about Brad- What is
0: wrong What, what are you doing over there What happened did you, to me I just, I just, just had a moment Where bust. Bradley Beal Became Paul no. George I was, I was like What just yeah.
2: happened Yeah I was gonna say
0: I The Clippers are everybody. old as hell James I-
5: Harden's a Clipper too By the way If you're lost over there Yeah they suck they're good they're, they're a good
2: team i trade Kawhi to the Lakers for LeBron oh, There you no. go Dude, LeBron would kill James Harden I know, that's why I want to see it Give me some good soap opera I'm tired of covering for you defensively I, I thought LeBron was going to go play Wherever his son got drafted Right? Chris Paul is a Golden so he's Warrior he's going to be right over right? in Europe? Dude, do you have to go through the NBA right now?
5: <laughs> you should really get the NBA I can tell you, the rosters. Just just so just, you have I, an idea I just
2: played 2K24
0: yesterday yeah, So I not. can Chris get Chris
2: t- Paul is on the Warriors I
5: didn't say yep.
0: Chris
2: Paul. I said Paul George.
0: What is happening? <laughs> what is happening to me right now? Did you really? Yes.
2: Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, are the Clippers.
0: And
5: then you're like, the Suns. This is Chris Paul.
2: No, Bradley Beal. Are you having a stroke? <laughs> I think I am. Yeah. It's not that happen. hot in here. Take your shirt off, for people.
0: It is so... Did I, I think maybe it's this spot like the spot oh we turned on all the extra lights that's what it is we've got the spotlights
2: on today we need to go to break this guy (laughs) is mentally combusting right now i am drenched in sweat right now like legitimately drenched in sweat right now i'm hot oh i don't know what it is well maybe it's where i'm at no maybe it's these lights yeah these lights are hot right now Maybe it's Chris Paul. Wait, I thought Bradley Beal was there. You said Chris Paul.
0: Listen, I, I, everything you're saying right now is fair criticism of me. All right, uh, let's go to the text line three one four three nine 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 four six. Is the air comfort service text line? We'll do this quickly. From the two one seven guys, what are your thoughts on the new uniforms that the Cardinals are apparently wearing this year?
2: Well, the glad. ones that the numbers aren't uh, diametrically centered. They look great. Yeah. By I, great, I mean cheap.
5: Yeah. Yeah, they kind of they kind of look cheap, and uh, I think the players made it well known outside of Arnado. Um, <laughs>
2: Arnado's trying to be positive. Yeah,
5: it's uh, kind of sponsored, and they don't look great.
2: I think they'd look better if they, they look got
5: terrible. Can we be honest? They look horrific. I
2: think they look better if they went with jerseys.
0: That's basically what they are. I would I love a game with like jerseys. The Cardinals apparently had to fight to get the stuff stitched on. They they just wanted what to they do? press super glue on, you know. Your your friend's mom has the. I say my mom, my wife's got a cricket. It's basically the T-shirts that you just press everything on. That's what the new jerseys are.
2: It's awesome. Go baseball. Go baseball.
0: All right, coming up next. Do the Cardinals have what Adam Wainwright describes as a legitimate number one? You know he's not on the team anymore, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah. you know he doesn't play with them right now. Just making sure he's a country artist. I got Major League Baseball
0: taken care of. Apparently, (laughs) my NBA uh, knowledge memory uh, needs a little bit of work. All right, we'll get into that coming up next on One on One ESPN. (laughs)
3: Learn more at marines.com.
1: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: If you didn't see it, Adam Wainwright is a new member of MLB Network. I think he's going to do a great job there. He's... Uh, I thought he did a great job job on the broadcast last year when he was a part of it for the postseason. And yesterday was one of the first opportunities that he had to go on there. Just did a quick little 15-minute segment, and they asked him about a few different things. One of them, Alex, was about the importance of a number one starter. And, of course, Wayno's going to speak highly of it. But he also described what, in his mind, the qualifications are to be that, to be a number one starter. And as you're listening to this, I want you to think in the back of your mind. Do the Cardinals have a player that fits this description?
3: I always said this: number one pitcher in the big leagues is is a pitcher that affects three days. It affects the day before he pitches because the manager and pitching coach they know they can use their bullpen more liberally, mm-hmm. knowing that they got a, a horse on the mound the next day. And then it affects the day that you pitch, obviously, because hopefully you travel, you go deep into the game, and you save that bullpen even more, and you're probably going to win that game. And then the next day too, because now you got a fresh pen. And yep. you can and you can use everybody. So I, I just think that that's why when, when people say, Man, why do starting pitchers get the the big bucks? That's why. That's why. And number one, it changed the whole team.
0: First of all, I like that description. That's a it's a great way of breaking one. it down. And I like the way that he says it changes three days. It changes the day before, the day after, and the day of, because you don't have to worry about your bullpen on those three days. Alex, when you hear that description, do you believe that the Cardinals have that pitcher currently on the roster?
2: No. I think they might but I don't know what Sonny Gray is. I don't know if he's a guy that every single time you put him out there is going to be doing that. I think most of the starts he'll do that, but I still think you're going to have the occasional four-inning blow-up of Sonny Gray to where you're put in a in a, in a a bind. What he's talking about, you don't have. And frankly, I don't think there's a lot of teams in Major League Baseball that have what Adam Wainwright's talking about. He's talking Garrett Cole-esque type of pitcher, uh, but no, I don't believe you have that.
5: Yeah, I... I am on the fence with Sonny Gray. I I think he I think obviously he's the only one that can fit into this category for the St. Louis Cardinals. The the reason I'm just on the fence is two of the last three years, he's basically been a five inning starter. And he goes, you know, twenty four starts, twenty six starts. When I think of number one, I think a guy that's gonna take the ball twenty nine to thirty two times. And last year he did that, and last year he basically averaged six innings per start. But again, the two previous year he was more kind of a five and dive guy. If he can get to that point where he was last year, where he's averaging about six innings per start, I think he'll fall into this category. Now, the part that I would add in there that – I, wait, no kind of mentioned is the day before do you get the fear factor with your starter do you have a fear factor when your number one's on the mound and i just don't i don't know how baseball perceives sonny gray and if they I mean, put they him in that category. baseball network
2: said he's a top 10 pitcher
5: uh, yeah but it, that's first time i've seen that you know I, i've yeah. never heard someone say oh crap we gotta face sonny gray today it's just it's never something that i've heard a team or really when whatever team he's on i, I year, know so. but like Nobody said, like, hey, Sonny Gray's coming to town. Oh, boy, here comes Sonny Gray on the mound. You know, I, I never felt that way uh, against Minnesota.
2: I didn't watch a lot of Minnesota Twins games, but I I personally felt like teams were more afraid of taking on Pablo Lopez over Sonny Gray. Am I crazy yeah, saying yeah, that? I, I don't agree no. with that at all.
0: I think last year, Sonny Gray was their number one starter. And Pablo Lopez is a really good starter, don't get me wrong, but I I think people are almost underestimating at this point how good Sonny Gray is. That being said, I don't think he fits this criteria that O mentioned. Like, he... He went seven innings, a total of six times last year. And this was one of his best seasons, if we're looking at it from the perspective of the quality of the innings in which he threw. He went more than six innings, a total of nine times out of his 32 starts last year. If you're, I'm not a guy that like says innings are everything. It's the end-all, be-all. If you're not getting to 200 innings, you can't be a number one starter. But... If you're not getting deeper into games, it is hard to say that, hey, this is the guy that is the number one starter that you're looking for. I just looked this up, Alex, over the last three years. Here are the pitchers that have gone at least seven innings with two earned runs or fewer the most often. Okay, seven plus innings, two earned runs or fewer. This is more than a quality start. This is getting deep into games. You only need to use your setup man and your closer at most when you're getting a start like this out of your starter. Sandy Alcantara has the most such games. He has 41 instances we of going at that. least seven innings and two earned runs or fewer. After that, Tramber Valdez, oh. Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, Max Scherzer, Corbin Burns, Logan Webb, Aaron Nola, Kevin Gossman, Zach Gallen, Hugh Darvish, Shane Bieber, and it continues from there. Shohei Otani is next.
2: Man, like five of those names could Cardinals could have had. Two of them they did have.
0: Those are number one starters. Sonny Gray is 37th on this list. I like Sonny Gray a lot. I think he's a really good starter. But guys that are in the same range as Sonny Gray include the likes of Robbie Ray and Taiwan Walker and Nathan Evaldi, Charlie Morton, Lucas Giolito, Marcus Stroman. That's the category that he falls into me. He's a really good starter, a guy that you would love to have in your rotation, and I think you could put him above all of those guys because of some of the intangibles that we heard a lot about yesterday as he threw his first bullpen in a Cardinals uniform. If you want to pay for some of that, cool. I got no problem with it. But that doesn't make you a number one starter just because you have that. You've got to have these other things, and it's why we talk so much, Alex, about Fran Valdez. If he was truly going to become available... That's a number one starter. That's a dude that has done it in the playoffs. That's a guy that gets you seven plus innings when he's going out there in the regular season. He's got the everything that you look for in a number one. Framber Valdez has it. It's not Sonny Gray. He's a really good starter. I like him. If he has to be the number one starter for you, I think you can win. But that means you better have a good number two. Because if you're going to be a little below the rest of the number ones across the National League, I better be every bit as good, if not better, when it comes to my number 2 starter. And the Cardinals are weak at both. That's that's the problem going into this upcoming season.
2: Yeah, and I think that's going to be the problem for this Cardinals team until they address that number 1 ace pitcher. And I'm still very skeptical they have it in their system. So you're going to have to make the trade for it, or you're going to have to hope that you draft it in this upcoming draft when you're picking in the top 10. So the
0: next thing that
2: Wayno was asked about was the guys that are still left on the free agent market. They said, hey,
0: Bueno, you pitched with Jordan Montgomery. You were part of the same rotation together. You've seen a lot of Blake Snell over the years. What do you make of the fact that both of them are still available in the open
3: market? And that's the guy you want on your team. If you don't want a guy who just showed you firsthand that he could go out and pitch in the biggest moments and be comfortable, then I don't really know what teams want. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think the only thing that would concern teams is probably what they're asking for. But you know what? What the going rate is for starting pitchers? Do you want a Cy Young winner? Do you want a guy who's going to go out there and be a horse in the postseason? Or do you want a total question mark? I'll take my chances with the guys that prove it every year.
0: I'm totally with him. And those guys are still out there. And there was a piece yesterday from Andy McCullough over on The Athletic saying, hey, we're getting dangerously close to the time in which these guys are going to have to settle for a one-year pillow deal or a one-year plus an option kind of a deal or a a multi-year contract where there's an opt out after year one. That is obvious that they're likely going to take it to be able to reset their market going into the 2024 offseason. Guys, if that ends up being the case and the Cardinals are not in on it, and they almost certainly will not be. That is why I think it was a mistake early on in the off to sign both Lynn and Gibson, because it eventually takes you out of these discussions. You can't really get in on the conversations for Monty and Snell because you've already allocated your resources towards those two older starters that are now locked in to your rotation. So I, I don't think the Cardinals will be a part of those negotiations. They absolutely should be though. They should be talking to at least one of Monty or Snell to find out where you guys at. And if they end up signing five-year deals, fine they they weren't going to be a part of those conversations but if they sign a pillow deal and it's not even a conversation here in st louis i view that as a massive mistake
2: yeah i i think they deservedly should be blasted if they're not in the conversation if one of those guys signs for a one-year deal with a player option after it because that's what the cardinals are missing and frankly i think the jordan montgomery route is the part that's so surprising that they haven't at least had the reports of like yeah they've checked in on it and that's been about it because you, you had the guy in your system. You saw how impactful he was. He was as close to what Adam Wainwright described that you've had for the last couple of years. So, yeah, that's going to be the massive blow for this team if they miss out on that. And if you see, like, a Jordan Montgomery or a Blake Snell do a pillow deal for the Chicago Cubs or the Milwaukee Brewers.
5: And for me, it's more the Snell route. Like, the the Monty one... It, really? Yeah, because I, I think Montgomery, like... I, I think... We, you, you mentioned, you know, Sunny Gray. If you're going to have, like... The bottom of that number one list, and you got to be really good at that number two list. I, I don't think Monty's in that conversation. I think Monty's probably more in the mid tier of a number two starter, if not near the bottom. I think he's more of a three, and I think that's how baseball's kind of viewed him this offseason. Couldn't season. I argue,
0: though, that last year in the postseason, the Rangers basically had the equivalent of what we're talking about here with the Cardinals' rotation potentially? Like they literally had Jordan Montgomery, and Nathan Avaldi would be the equivalent and, for
2: your rotation of what Sonny Gray could be. Montgomery looks like a one in the playoffs for me. And I don't am, think he is that. I, I think he's
0: like a 2-3. I think he kind of fits into that criteria. But I think, you
2: know that when you get to a postseason spot, that Montgomery picture. is going to be able to yeah. do that for, for you. Sure.
5: But this is the first postseason that I've seen Monty do it in. You know, like, I, it could have just been this was the one postseason where Montgomery is hot, and then next year you get to October, and it's, oh, yeah, he's still How many still others a three. did he pitch
2: in, though? Because he didn't get much with the I, Yankees.
5: Th- that's the thing, though. It's like, if he had done this, like, three postseasons, I'd go, yeah, Montgomery, like a a Evaldi, for example. Avaldi's probably a 3-4 starter, but man, I've seen him multiple times in October with the Red Sox and now with the Rangers pitch in the big games. If I'm the Cardinals and I'm looking for a pillow deal, I'm just looking for Snell, because now you've got that number 1 guy that's got the elite stuff, and then you've got Sonny Gray who is, as we just talked about, would be the top of the top for a number 2 starter. So I, I don't think Monty should be the route that they're going to look for. If it is a pillow deal for him, I, I just... I think he helps you, but I don't think it's significant enough to where it is, okay, now you've got that elite one-two punch. I think it's just Blake Snell. If he's taking a pillow deal, I'd go after him. To be
0: fair, it was year seven when Nathan Ivaldi became a big game pitcher in the postseason. That was the seventh year of his major league career. That was the first time he had experience in the playoffs. Last year was year seven of Jordan Montgomery. So it's possible we're just getting in on the front end. You you just haven't seen it yet that Monty is actually the new version of Nathan Avaldi, and I don't know if that's true or not, but we're we're you would be buying on the front end instead of doing what the Rangers did, which is a couple of years ago, going out and getting him after he has proven to be a big game pitcher. Now you're hoping that what you saw last year was real for Monty, and, and you've you're taking a risk, no doubt about it. But if it's a one-year contract, I would absolutely be in on it. I would be in on either, and I would prefer Blake Snell. But if these guys are taking pillow deals, I would I would accept either of them on similar deals, honestly. All right, coming up next, three scenarios for you with football's future. The Chiefs 3 repeat. Kyle Shanahan wins a Super Bowl in the next five years, or the Chiefs do not win a Super Bowl in any of the next three seasons. How would you rank those in terms of likelihood? We'll get to it next year on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Three scenarios for the two teams that were involved in this year's Super Bowl in terms of likelihood. All right, most likely to least likely. Alex, the most likely one is the thing. Absolutely, this this is definitely definitely gonna happen. Least likely, of course, I, I don't see this. All right, option number one. The Chiefs 3P, they win the Super Bowl again th- this upcoming season. They're having their victory parade right now in Kansas City. This time next year, we're going to be running it back, baby. It'll be a true 3 in Kansas City for the first time in the history of the NFL. Option number two, Kyle Shanahan. I'm not telling you where it happens, but he will win a Super Bowl at some point in the next five seasons. In the next five years, Kyle Shanahan gets a Super Bowl. Option number three, the Chiefs will not win a Super Bowl in any of the next three seasons. So a 3 P Kyle Shanahan wins one in the next five years. The Chiefs don't win a Super Bowl, do not win a Super Bowl in the next three. Alex, how would you rank those three NFL scenarios for the two teams that we're playing in this year's Super Bowl?
2: I think this is pretty easy. Oh, I, I would say the, the the least likely is Chiefs don't win a Super Bowl in the next three years. I, I think that's good they're gonna win another one within the next three years because if Andy Reid's gonna keep coaching, I, I think they're gonna win another one. You've got Mahomes, you've got Kelsey. If they find a way to keep Chris Jones, they're gonna keep the 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 band together. I would say the most likely is Shanahan wins a Super Bowl in the next five years. And then I put the Chiefs three Pete at number two. Here's why. Three Pete's are very tough to do because you're not only hoping that you know, the all the cards fall your direction, but you gotta make sure you stay healthy. And Kelsey ain't getting young. Chris Jones, if he stays, isn't getting any younger. Patrick Mahomes isn't getting any younger. One of those guys gets injured at some point, man, you're in for a world of hurt. And I don't know if you can you can't recover from that. But if you're giving me the 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 field of five years for Kyle Shanahan to win a Super Bowl. I could see that happening before I think the Kansas City Chiefs could win a Super Bowl next year. So I'll say Shanahan's the most likely.
5: That's the one that I had as the most likely. Is I, I just think he's too good of a head coach. And, and We're all on the same page.
0: I'm a little surprised really? by this. We all had the same... take. Like. All of the criticism of Shanahan, uh, fair, uh, justified. Like but now he knows the OT rules. Yeah, yeah now he knows the rules. Gonna be helpful. He just has to read the rule book more. I think Shanahan's an excellent head coach, and he's going to get his. I don't know when it'll be. I don't even know if it'll for sure be in San Francisco. I would guess it will be. But I think in the next five years, he gets one. I think he right now is where... In the early portion of his career, Andy w- Reid was in Philly. Sorry, mm-hmm. Tevon.
5: Yeah, that that's just kind of where I am. Is is he's just too good of a head coach? And honestly, I think like next year could be like the best year that he has a shot back at it. If they run it back with essentially the same squad, they don't trade Ayuk. Like he's he's got the quarterback for the, though. I don't think Brock Purdy will probably ever be like a top ten quarterback. He's got the perfect guy to run in that system, you know. And, and I, I think when you look at him, he's too good of a head coach to where. At some point, he's going to end up having a chance where he's not going to face Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So I think that's number one for me. Number two for me would be the Chiefs don't win a Super Bowl in three years. And then I think the least likely is the 3 Pete. And the reason I say that, and they kind of all tie together, is one, it is you look at the AFC. It's not like it is the NFC, where if you had Mahomes and the Chiefs and you flip them with, I don't know, pick an NFC team. Patrick Mahomes is like three tiers above the second-best quarterback in the NFC. In the AFC, though, you've got Joe Burrow, you've got Lamar Jackson, you've got Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. The AFC is loaded with quarterbacks. I think you mentioned C.J. Stroud, who had an incredible rookie year. So I can see where if something doesn't go right, like if they don't retain Chris Jones, for example. Okay, well, how long does it take for them to figure out what's the pass rush going to be? Because we talked about the impact that he had on games down the stretch for them in the playoffs. You know, if Travis Kelsey isn't healthy and they don't upgrade in the wide receiver room, I don't know what things look like. So I I think my number two one would be that the Chiefs don't don't win a Super Bowl for three years. And then my least likely one is the 3 peak because I'm just going to take the field. I I know that I, I trust Patrick Mahomes. But, man, the AFC is so good. And, like, if Josh Allen plays an incredible, perfect game just once, just once in a season, he can be doing that in the playoffs and be sending Patrick Mahomes home packing.
0: We had the exact same list. I'm surprised by that, but we had the same list. Shanahan wins is my number one most likely. Chiefs don't win a Super Bowl in the next three years as number two. And then the Chiefs 3 is is least likely to me. I'm not saying they won't do it, but of these scenarios, I absolutely believe it's the least likely because of what you just said, Timon. there's just too many good teams in the AFC right now. And man, it's freaking hard to continue to do it the way that the chiefs have so far. Look back at the new England Patriots. That, that's the comparison that everybody's making right now, right? Because you got the three in the five years, you've gone to six straight AFC championships. Everything about what we're witnessing right now reminds people of the early version of the new England Patriots dynasty, what we aren't talking probably enough about is how long they went between getting the third and getting the fourth from 2005 to 2013. The Patriots made it to a total of two Super Bowls and lost both of them. They did not win any titles in a nine year stretch between 2005 and 2013. And then the second iteration of their dynasty began from 2014 to 2018. And then it ended. It ended abruptly. And we all saw what happened there with, uh, with Tom Brady going down to Tampa and everything, but they basically had two dynasties that were nine years apart. What would make the chiefs different is if that doesn't take place. If the chiefs were to get another one in the next three years, there's a chance. That's actually what sets them apart from either of the two Patriots dynasties. Cause they got three on the front end and three on the back end. And then Brady got another by going out to Tampa Bay. They were never able to get that four in a like seven-year stretch, though. That was not something that the Patriots ever were able to accomplish. So if the Chiefs do what we're talking about here, it would be basically unprecedented in the free agency era of the NFL. So I'm totally with you. I think the most likely is that Shanahan ends up getting back to If we ask the audience this, what do you think their most likely one would be? I think though?
2: they would say number one is the Chiefs don't win within the next three you years. Think? Shanahan, two, Pete would be the least likely.
0: If you were to argue against Shanahan, by the way, I saw this yesterday, found it to be kind of interesting. The teams that made it to the Super Bowl with like a flash in the pan quarterback that wasn't with that coach for very long, coaches that had uh, no more than 16 starts with the team's current quarterback whenever they made it to the Super Bowl. 2016 Falcons with Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan fit into this criteria, make it to the Super Bowl, and then it's just like over. The next year, they lose their OC, boom, done. 2017 Eagles, Doug Peterson and Nick Foles, boom, wow. done. That one wasn't shocking. 2018 Rams, McVay and Jared Goff, boom, over. They okay, trade him like two surprising. years later. 2019 Shanahan with Jimmy Garoppolo, boom, done. Get on, move away from him. 2020 Arians and Brady, that's different, set that aside. 2021 McVay and Stafford, a lot of injuries that have taken place, but man, think about how different that team was from the Rams team that we're seeing today. 2022 Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. That team already looks different and has some serious questions to answer going into this offseason. And now the 2023 Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy 49ers. It'll be interesting to see if this team is actually able to stand the test of time in a way that those previous seven teams did not. None of those teams got back. It was that one time. And then if they did get back to a Super Bowl, it was with a new quarterback or a new coach or in some cases like the Eagles. New coach and a new quarterback. Yeah,
5: and and I can see where that could happen to where you get to the point where they have to pay Brock Purdy. The moment they pay Brock Purdy, things get a lot tighter against the cap. You know, right now he's on that rookie deal. I mean, you saw the numbers, like what Patrick Mahomes was making compared to, like, Brock Purdy on his rookie deal. The moment he gets paid, all of a sudden I can see where it is. Okay, now things change. Like, maybe you have to move on from a... I don't know, Bosa, for example, or Debo Samuel. And it's like, whoa, okay, Brock Purdy is the 17th best quarterback. We just gave him $40 million, and now we can't surround him with the weapons around. So, I, I mean, I can see where that happens. That's why I think, like, if you ask me, like, Shanahan winning that – in that five-year window I, I think you just stamp right year one it almost has to happen in year one otherwise I'm not sure if it happens in the final four because yeah, Trent Williams that. Yeah. doesn't have much yeah. time left your it, team
2: is in shambles after next season we'll see how much longer Christian
0: McCaffrey can do this we know what happens with running backs like at some point it's gonna fall off and it's gonna fall off hard mm-hmm. for Christian McCaffrey he'll eventually probably be more of a passing down back than the grinding back that he currently is able to be that just wears on you man like there's Basically, nobody has been able to sustain that for a 10-year stretch other than Adrian Peterson in recent memory. So, uh, eventually, it's going to wear down for Christian McCaffrey, and he's a huge piece of what they're doing. We're already seeing what's happening with Brandon Ayuk, where his brother's out here like, yo, get me out of here. I want to go to Las Vegas. Stephon Diggs.
2: I mean, that turned pretty quick to where they're like, yeah, we're done.
0: Yeah. I Look at the Chiefs, man. Look at the team that we just saw in this year's Super Bowl compared to the team that we saw against the 49ers four years ago. It, these things cycle so quickly that saying anybody's going to be around and be a top-level team for the next five years is really hard to believe. There's some teams that have sustained success, but very few of them that have sustained championship-level aspirations of success. I did want to ask you guys one other thing. Because as we talk about teams that try to sustain, teams that get to the Super Bowl with a young quarterback, and then the next year it goes awry, the Bengals certainly fit into that criteria. Yesterday... The 33rd team, a bunch of former NFL executives that are a part of this thing. They put out their 2024 offseason quarterback power rankings. No surprise, Patrick Mahomes at number one. From there, I'll read you quickly the next seven players on the list, Alex. This is two through eight. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford, Dak Prescott, your boy C.J. Stroud, and then Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) You can quibble with where guys are in that range, but at least directionally speaking, that's kind of where I would expect most of those players to be with one glaring exception at number nine on this list is Joe Burrow. Why do we do this?
2: Why do we disrespect Joe Burrow and act as if he's not the second best quarterback in the league? Probably because of what it looked like this season. But I, I mean, I take this season with a grain of salt. He was never healthy and then they forced him back into play because they needed him, And he just never got back to play. Like, it's always recency bias with with people in, in sports, specifically with the NFL. Like, what you've done this season is how I judge you off of. I forget what you did the last two seasons prior to it.
5: I, I mean, I think that's right. I, I think it's just the injuries, and I disagree with it because I, I think you're 100% spot on. If It's just recency bias. I mean, if you told me I can start a team tomorrow with Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, or Joe Burrow, I would take Joe Burrow every time. Agreed. I, I really would. I'd take C.J.
2: Stroud over all of them. Because but.
5: I've seen him put... Well. We know how much you love him, man. I'm buying a damn C.J. Stroud jersey. I've seen him have success in the regular season, and I think the most important part, and it's the thing that these others, those two other guys haven't done, I've seen him beat Patrick freaking Mahomes in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. man. And that matters. Well, just wait for my guy.
2: Just wait
0: for my guy. There are two players, two quarterbacks at least, that have beaten Patrick Mahomes in the postseason. Tom Brady, he did it twice. He's not playing football anymore. He's going to be broadcasting the games next year. The only other dude that can do it is Joe Burrow. C.J. Stroud. And so until I see somebody else go up head-to-head against Patrick Mahomes and actually beat him, man, that dude is going to be number two on my list because he's the only guy that I've seen. And people will bring up the weapons. Fair. It's a fair criticism. But, man, most of the guys that we would talk about in this conversation of being one of the top five quarterbacks, they've got some pretty significant weapons around them. Lamar is really the only guy that doesn't have that at at his helm. But, like, Joe Burrow – He's got Jamar Chase, who's amazing. T. Higgins is a really good player. That's kind of it. Like Most of the quarterbacks around the league have at least two guys, tight end, running back, wide receiver, that they can trust in a significant way. And Joe Burrow has taken those two guys that he's had and gotten the absolute max out of both of them. He has made them better because he is a part of that roster. So I think it's nonsense the way that we... We seemingly tamped down some of what he's been able to accomplish early on in his career while trying to prop up somebody like a Josh Allen, for example. I like Josh Allen a lot. If you take Josh Allen over Joe Burrow, you're crazy. Absolutely crazy if you're trying to win a championship. You want regular season aspirations? Cool. Take Josh Allen. You want to win something meaningful in the playoffs? Joe Burrow's the guy that you want. Coming up next... Alex Ferrario does not want the Blues to close any doors as we get closer to the NHL's trade deadline. What does that mean specifically? And there's one trade that Alex saw on a trade piece earlier today. He wonders if the Blues would be willing to make it. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight.
5: Get started at one of our local
1: financial
3: centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: earlier today pierre lebrun put a piece up in his discussions with doug armstrong army basically told him hey listen we're in the middle of the nhl right now we understand that standings wise and we're not going to be trying to do something to try to go all in in 2024 i'm paraphrasing here but that was the vibe that i got from army's discussion with pierre lebrun and reading the quotes throughout the article Alex, I think we're all in favor of that. None of us want them to go all in on 2024. This team isn't good enough. This team is still very much in the midst of a retool. You look at the middle six, it's like, ah, still a lot left there to be desired. But they're they're okay, and they've got a chance to be able to make the postseason. And so as we do get closer to the deadline, and we're, what, three weeks away at this mm-hmm. point from the NHL's trade deadline, what do you want their approach to be this year?
2: I don't want them to spend valuable assets for the future just to get something that makes you feel like you're better now because I'm with Doug Armstrong. I don't think that benefits you. I just don't want them to close the door on trying to upgrade. And I understand what Doug's saying. like You're not just going to make a move to sit there and say, yeah, now we got a chance to make a playoff run because that's not where your team is at. But don't overlook the opportunity to maybe make a trade for something that makes you good now but also makes you good for the next few years once you get into this winning window. And what I mean by that is, like, get some players that could be a part of this team for the future. Maybe it's guys that don't have a contract, but you feel like you can re-sign, like a Noah Hannafin. Don't close the door on that. If Calgary's willing to trade him and they want pieces for a rebuild, well, yeah, as much as you want a first-round pick for this season, does it really matter if you're going to get a defenseman who's willing to re-sign next year and be in your top four? Another guy with the New York Rangers right now, Capo Caco. This is a, a former top three pick for the New York Rangers. He's got the ability to be a top six winner. He's fallen out of grace with the New York Rangers. They want to move on, and they want something that helps them now for a playoff run. Is it the worst thing in the world to trade something that you don't know is going to be a part of your piece in two years to bring in something that could be here for the next five? And then the guy that we've brought up that played well against the Blues last night, Nick Robertson. The Maple Leafs are floating them out there because they need an upgrade on defense. Jacob Chikrin's another name. These guys that I'm talking about may seem like, oh, you got to give up a first-round pick or a good prospect to get them. Yeah, I don't want to give up a, a Dvorsky or a Stenberg. But if I'm getting something that's good for me for the next five, six years... Just don't close the door on it because, well, we're not good enough to be in the playoffs this year.
0: So you're basically saying, like, if the next Pavel Buchnevich becomes available to Absolutely. you, don't close the door on that just because you're in the midst of a retool, rebuild. What I think we can officially call it a retool at this yeah. point don't close the door on that
2: because you don't know if that player is going to be there for you in the off season. You can't keep kicking the can down the road and hoping to upgrade in certain areas. Well, we'll look at it in the off season. If it's there at the trade deadline and they're calling about a Pavel David and you don't have a good feel that he's going to re-sign here for less than $8 million, Maybe you need to look at the best case scenario for your team in three to five years. Who are your core guys right
0: now that you'd be willing to move from? Because I think that's going to be part of the, con- like Nick Robertson, for example, you brought yeah. him up. I didn't, I wasn't familiar with that man's game prior to last night. I'm not going to be a fraud and say that I was. I, I watched him last night. I, okay. I would be interested in having that individual on the
2: St. Louis Blues. So he, now Cupid hit him with his as, love arrow last uh, night.
5: Beat me too. You get there, man. it. I just to talking? There. You interrupt him. Uh, he made
2: like seven
0: plays in the game. He's so fast. Where I was stunned, like I I sat there with like my mouth wide open and just thought, thought to myself, man, that I I want that mm. in a St. Louis Blues uniform. No, like I, just I just want that. I want it so badly. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> as I left that game, I was thinking to myself, how how do we get that? And then it it hit me suddenly as I was reading this fourth like period article that you were mentioning earlier, Alex, about the <laughs> the Maple Leafs be their general manager has been scouting the blues. Yeah. He's, he's doing so for a reason. Now I would say that there's a player that I'd be willing to move to them. That probably fits their needs. That wasn't playing for the Blues. So maybe that's not who they were looking for. They probably want Colton Pareco They can't have Colton no. Pareco. That's not going to be an option for them. Justin Falk. Yeah. Would that, would that be of interest to you? Cause I, I'd be willing to move on from Justin Falk. You want to talk Tori Krug? Probably not. You want to talk Nick Letty though? I'll talk about him. Yeah. Would you be willing to talk Jordan Cairo, Pavel Buchnevich, some of the guys that are part of your future core? Like, what, are, what are you open to moving at this year's deadline if it brings back something in return that helps you for the next three to five years?
2: You're at the point right now where I look at a Robert Thomas, a Jake Neighbors, a Colton Pareko, uh, a Joel Hofer, and I think that's it. And this is coming from a guy that is the biggest Jordan Bennington defender. But I mean Jordan Bennington's name I'm not moving him. I'm not I don't want to, but am I going to get I'm not moving him from Nick Robertson. Let me just say that. Am I gonna get blown Maybe. away? No, God no. The first round pick with me. Please no. <laughs> I, I, I need to be blown away for that deal. Like the the what I heard was uh, the report, and I think it was Elliot Friedman that put it out there, but apparently nashville has been floating you say Saros' name out there, and the LA Kings floated the name Quentin Byfield out the other way. Like that's the type of deal that we're talking about where you bring Jordan Bennington's name up. But you're at the point now where in terms of position players, take the goaltenders out of it. Robert Thomas, Jake Neighbors, Colton Pareko. I think that's it in terms of, yeah, we're not discussing these guys. Everybody else should be on the table. And I know that sucks to say Pavel Buchnevich's name, but you just don't know what that discussion is going to look like in the offseason. And if a team is coming to you with something that's here for the next three to five years and you feel like you're better with that player... It, it, you just have to start be thinking bigger picture rather than just the next 2 months somebody on the text line brings up a good point
0: about what army's probably doing they said Doug Armstrong from the 314 needs to reverse engineer the future lineup to find out what he thinks that it will look like and then consider what the top prospects are going to be where they fit into the lineup and then he's able to figure out from uh, there what you're willing to get rid of. I,
2: I think he's already done this. He
0: said on the podcast with who was it? Um the guy from the Daily Faceoff. That that's oh, who. He, that he's that's literally what every decision that they're making right now is starting from is Tom, okay, yeah. 4 years from now this is what I think our lineup is going to be. That's probably not going to involve, you know, Kasperi Kapanen or Brandon Saad, like these guys that are current placeholders Kevin Hayes They're probably not going to be here when the blues are really having championship aspirations again. So who will be in that place and how far away are they right now? And how do we acquire that person? Is he in our system? Do we need to go sign him in free agency? Do we need to trade for that player? That's gotta be the way that they operate.
2: I I think you can kind of already read the tea leaves with that. Like you see a Thomas with neighbors and a snugger as a potential top line for you in the future. Dvorsky is going to be a top six centerman for them. They see that as one of those predictors. And then it's just filling in those gaps. Do you have a Bull Duke? Does a Dean fit there? Does a Stenberg fit there? That's the four-year plan. And then you've got the Shens and you've got the Torupchenkos and those players that kind of sprinkle in on top of it. But that's why you have to sit there and really look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, in three years, in two years, Pavel Buchnevich... Jordan Kyrou, are these guys on this team still? And if you're questioning it and a team is calling you about those players, that's where I think you. I just don't want to see him close the door. There was one other guy that you mentioned there
0: that we need to have a quick conversation about. And that's Jimmy Snuggerud. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Snuggerud might be the biggest quote-unquote trade deadline acquisition that you make this year. The whole thing that Stalter hates, right? The getting a guy back from injury is better than a trade. Yeah,
2: but this one isn't the Cardinals saying it.
0: Yeah, no, this is the Blues saying it. And it's Jimmy Snuggerud, who we've been excited to see for a while now. He's very likely going to make it to the NHL before the end of the year. Now, it'll probably be like eight to ten games, I would assume, at the end of the season after he's done with Minnesota. But yesterday you were able to catch up for your pregame show, Alex, John Butchergrass from ESPN, ESPN.com. He did the game pregame show. I think it was yeah. for the blues over the
2: weekend mm-hmm. and Big asked, college hockey guy too.
0: And you asked him about Jimmy Snuggerud and how he could fit into this blues team. And here's what he had to say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you're a man and you, you know, you have
4: the full grown strength and you have a shot like that, you can score from distance, then obviously that's a huge skill to have. And he certainly could step right in right away. And, uh, be a guy that you you know maybe put in the third line or you know fourth line to start and see if he can sneak up there if there's an injury he certainly could plug him in and play with good players you know robert thomas would set him up wonderfully and kevin hayes could set him up and you know they have some playmakers certainly down the middle in st louis is veteran guys and so as a winger that snug root is it'd be a comfortable place for him i would think and um you know also on the power play if they feel like they want to a sniper there, a different look, um, whatever it may be, then, uh, yeah, he's that kind of guy that I'm sure they're looking at.
2: It's a play that I was curious if Bucci Gross thought he could translate to the NHL right away, and you heard his answer there. I, I mean – you got 18 goals right now through 30 games for the University of Minnesota. Really what this comes down to is how deep his team goes into the Frozen Four. Do they go all the way? Does that mean that you're going to get like five games like Matthew Nyes did for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Or do they get bounced earlier to where he comes in earlier? But I don't think we're talking about a player that you just bring up and put in the minors uh, for the rest of the season. I think you're talking about if this team's in a playoff race, this is that top six winger that we've been talking about saying like, well, you got to get somebody else. Jimmy Snuggeroot could be playing on a second line with a Braden Shen and Jake Neighbors by the end of March in the beginning of April. He could be getting some opportunities with a Robert Thomas. It's not outlandish to say because Matthew Nyes did that exact same thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs last season. He played three regular season games and then played seven playoff games playing in the top six, top nine with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So um, I, I hope it's not the best move. I hope that the Blues are able to find a controllable asset to be in your top six for the rest of the season and into next season. But Jimmy Snugger is probably most likely going to be the best acquisition you get, which, man, I think that's what they need. They need they need some fresh blood to come into the lineup to provide a little bit of a spark.
0: He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Blues off tonight. Back in action tomorrow night against the Oilers. If you want to see some firepower, that's a team that can certainly bring it. Alex will have your pregame coverage tomorrow starting at 6 right here on your goal, own. The Blues 101 ESPN. The Junk Drawer is coming up next here on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario
4: brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best Trust wings in Missouri. Dine in, carry out seven days
3: a week.
0: Juncture Alex was off for two weeks and while he was out, a lot of stuff happened in his personal life. So he's been sharing some of the stories yesterday. We heard about his experiences at Disney World. Uh, both of his kids he dads, almost made me vomit. Uh, I almost grew up in
2: <laughs> it's a great story the studio
0: as we were listening. So great. Part one was a mm. rousing success. Yeah,
2: so I'm here for part two. Alex, f- what do you got for Are you us ready for part two? All right, ladies and gentlemen, so By the so- way, our,
0: our governor is currently speaking at the chief's parade and he was booed in a way that I was unprepared for.
2: <laughs> well, good thing John Mozaillock made a politics comment right at the beginning <laughs> of his press conference today, because that always sells well. All right, Alex, All right guys, you sit down for a little story from Daddy Ferrario, because right. my wife decided, not decided, she went to New York for Fashion Week, so when she goes, I stay home so she can go work and I can take care of the girls. You know, babysitting for two kids is a nightmare, especially for an entire week. It's not babysitting when you're the dad. Well, I, say, I, meant no, I, I meant for other people. I meant for other people. I love getting to stay home with them. But guys... It's one thing to be home with your kids solo for a day. It's another thing to be solo with your kids for an entire freaking week. Did you have them? No, no, no nothing. Well, so they had daycare on Monday. So that was like three hours. But then I was with them the rest of the day. But getting them ready for daycare was not fun. Tuesday, Wednesday. Wrestling the alligator. Yeah. Oh, my God. I told you guys about the exorcist child, right? (laughs) That's what that's put clothes on. She goes stiff as a board. (laughs) Anyway, so Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I've got them. Nightmarish. Because you're doing everything—dinner, bath, did the grocery shopping solo—which Jesus uh, tried to keep the house clean. Oh, but dude, good, good luck. That's, that's oh the
0: number one thing that I've noticed. At some point, you just have to say, you know what? I'm okay with the fact that we have dishes that are overflowing in the sink right now. I'm going to bed. My mom I came over. can with my it. Mom
2: came over one day, the trash was stacked. You're the sure. sink was stacked with dishes. It looked like <laughs> it looked like somebody just came and just destroyed my Your house. house. A and frat like, house, yeah, but it happened to be yeah, with you know a kind three-year-old. Of- than a one-year-old. And every night when they would go to bed, I felt like I made progress with this. But that wasn't even the worst part. So the worst thing in the world that can happen for a parent when your significant other is gone and you're with your kids is an injury to take place. So Wednesday, I took them to the park because it was nice out. We went down some slides, no problem. Thursday was my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. Decided to go to the Magic House. And we went to the Magic House and... We had an incident where she fell down a slide and she sliced her ear right down the middle, mm. right, like it, a Vander Holyfield-esque Mike Tyson. It, it bit. appeared as if there was a missing chunk of the
0: ear. Yeah, yeah. Like there was two. There was a top half of the ear yeah. and a bottom half slit of the
2: ear, right down the middle, and like a solid quarter of an inch slit. Yeah. We don't even know what happened. She went down a slide and it just slipped. Anyway, that's not the part that I wanted to talk about. We were at a hospital. We were at a hospital for 12 hours. We got there at 1130 a.m. and didn't leave until 1130 at night because we had to wait. She had to do plastic surgery, had to get stitches, was a whole nightmare. It was a crazy day. But I don't know if anybody listening has ever had to give an 18-month-old medicine in a syringe by yourself. Oh, yeah. that
0: uh, Luca has to take medicine. Mm-hmm. He's got some stuff. Um, every single night Yeah
2: So most nights It goes swimmingly Yeah because Luca's probably uh, uh, An angel that sits there And is like That's correct uh, Thanks dad Most nights Yeah
0: Recently though He's teething right now So I would assume This is pretty similar To what your experience was I don't I mean, even
2: think No she's got all of her
0: damn teeth That's not it
2: <laughs> Well <laughs> I'm
0: saying Just the experience of Attempting to give him medicine So the other night We tried to give Lucas Some medicine Alex it's, uh, it's four milliliters That we have to give him Every night I start putting it into his mouth, and he's, he, he takes it a little bit, but it's like at a, this much at a time, maybe, through the syringe as well. So he takes a little bit, goes back to the bottle. Takes a little bit, goes back to the bottle. The third time that I try putting it in his mouth, he, as I'm starting to squirt it into his mouth, closes his mouth, so it bounces off his mouth and <laughs> all across the room.
2: I wish that's what happened to me, man. Oh, this medicine, so it's antibiotics for the ear. Um seven and a half milliliters she has Ooh, to take. That's double of what we do. Two <laughs> antibiotics. And again, I told you the actor said, ah! Stiff board. Now that's not the worst part of it. She knows how to spit the medicine out. So I am sitting on the ground oh, no. with my 18 month old who's got ear stitches in her ears. I have both arms underneath both legs, holding her down, pinning her head down because she's got to take this medicine. Yeah. And I'm putting probably like half a milliliter in every, every this. <laughs> 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 there is medicine everywhere. And I had to do this for three straight days until Katie got home. I, it was to the point where I felt like I was abusing my child because you're having to hold yeah. her head down and put the medicine in her mouth and get her to swallow it. I, I don't know what, I don't know what the medical field needs to do to make child medicine easier to take. There's got to be a better way, man. God, man, there's got to be a better 15 way. Fifteen milliliters, she's got to take of That's this stuff. much. Three times a day. But the problem is, like, you can't do it in a pill form no. because they're not going to take the pill. They're going to. And she's too I young have, to I put I it joke. in a cup and drink it. Sure. Like Adelaide's to the age now, where if I put it in a little cup, she'll sure. drink it. You shoot it, you're no. good to go, right? Yep. But Emma's like, oh, so.
0: We- there should be, you know, like we have, we've wisened up on the the whole vitamin thing. Like, kid vitamins are great mm-hmm. because you just have gummy bears essentially. Right. That are made into the form of vitamins. Yeah. Why can't we, do, can we find a way to do that with medicine? Yeah. I, m- maybe it- the answer is no. Maybe, maybe there's like a very obvious reason as to why we c- absolutely
2: cannot do that. Or make it, like, there's be make a it like a powder to or something you could put into their milk and mix it in so sure. they drink it. But it was, it was so obnoxious that the reason I was out on Monday I think I had so much anxiety from Katie being gone and me trying to, like, run at a high level the entire week that she got home and I was like, oh, cool, you're home. And my body just shut down. And so now I make her give her the medicine so I don't have to. Sure. That's a better way to go about it. Yeah. So that was the week at Solo. So you're back to work
0: this week, and your life has become a lot less stressful, you would say.
2: Yeah, I got home yesterday, and Katie was home, and I was like, this is awesome. She was making dinner. I got to just sit and play with the girls. I hadn't seen them for like six hours. It was great. <laughs> I'm like, this is what it's like. And I, the people texted me like, oh, you're a dad. You should handle it. Look, God bless single parents. Uh, you Dude. are the real superheroes, because doing that for a week... I I felt like I was in over my head That was a lot But then on top of it, you know You gotta worry about injuries and medicine The phone call to Katie to tell her that Hey, we're at the emergency room Emma's getting stitches How'd that go? Not, not great, not great <laughs> So
0: I had a crippling fear When me and my future brother-in-law Night one of us being in Orlando Instead of going to the park's we decided that we were going to go out on the town in, in Orlando. We went to a couple of different breweries. We went to a distillery. We went to a speakeasy. We, you know, we, we saw our way around the town, saw what they had to offer in Orlando. One thing led to another, and we were overserved. It was their fault, not ours. And there was <laughs> zero chance that we were going to be able to drive. It, it was a, I was in a bad way. And so, Alex, as I was getting ready to leave, we we realized in the moment as we're walking towards the car that's a bad idea. Definitely cannot drive home. So we call an Uber. And I I I looked over at I looked over at my future brother-in-law And I said they are going to kill us Because now the next day when we're supposed to go to the parks We gotta go, Uh, we're like 30 minutes away We gotta go Uh. get the cars This is gonna become an hour adventure And so we had to call them to let them know Like hey, we were supposed to meet them out For drinks at Disney World That wasn't gonna happen at this point We were not gonna be able to make it out anywhere I dreaded that conversation that is nothing compared to being in charge of the kids I know And one of them having a
2: slit ear that we were in the hospital for And it was a- trying to explain Don't freak out, honey but our daughter's in the hospital and right now it was now. a pure act, I mean she was on a slide She went down, God bless the Magic House They've, they've taken care mm. of everything for us So they were incredible about this But like it was a pure accident I held off as long as possible calling her But she kept calling me Because she wanted a FaceTime And I finally answered it we're sitting in a hospital room Emma's got this bandage on her ear <laughs> And I'm like Hey, mom, (laughs) what's going on? How's New York? (laughs) Guess what? By the way, somebody texted in and said, oh, it's a syringe. You should just put it down their throat. Yeah. Easier said than done when your kid goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: that's the easy way to go about it. Uh, Good luck is what I would say. God
2: bless you, parents.
0: Coming up next, there's some breaking news in St. Louis sports. Nick Nick Robertson, Robertson figure is blue is back again. I'll tell you who that is next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario Podcast,
1: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: As for your St. Louis Battlehawks, the man, <laughs> the myth, the legend himself is back, baby! Jordan Tayamo? According to yes. multiple reports, AJ mccarron has uh, asked uh, oh. to be released by the Cincinnati Bengals so that he can re sign with the St. Louis Battlehawks. He last played last season <laughs> with the Battlehawks when they were in the XFL. He is now a part of the team as they have transitioned, I suppose, into the UFL. Boys, the
2: man is back. If you've ever wanted to mm. endear yourself into a city, say, I want to be cut from an NFL team so I can go back to play for the St. Louis Battle I Hawks. say that's pretty cool. Especially because, like, that's pretty awesome. So he would have been the third string quarterback for them, though. He wasn't the backup quarterback. Yeah, and there
0: was certainly no guarantee that he was even going to make the roster. And I can't next imagine
2: year. the money is that. I mean, like, as a third string quarterback,
0: oh, what are we I talking about? The minimum about? is $750,000. I mean, better in the than NFL, in the UFL. So, yeah, yeah but, he was going to make but, significantly more
2: by but, being in. But he's a battle hawk.
0: Exactly. It's for the love of the game. Which one would you rather have? I gotta say... money.
2: You know what, T-Bone? You have no... You have no respect.
0: Sorry that I love green. (laughs) When the XFL was first announced, and I'm talking like the first iteration of it here in St. Louis, I was really skeptical that this league was going to be anything more than what it used to be, which was like almost a laughingstock in some ways. Like it was... It was this league where huge hits were not only allowed but promoted. It was it was basically wrestling, but on the football field, right? And so you look at it, you're like, okay, is, is that really going to be what it is again in twenty whatever twenty nineteen? I guess it would have been. And if so, is that going to play to to this version of football fans? And the answer was no. That's that's not what they were trying to sell. They were trying to sell something that was, hey, these guys that kind of fall through the cracks. They deserve an opportunity to try to make their way back into the NFL for young guys, for guys that are older, like an A.J. McCarron, that just they just want to go out there and play instead of being the third or fourth, fifth string quarterback that might get a call at some point during the course of a season. And I, I think that's pretty cool, man. Like Ladamian Washington year one, being able to play for the, the Battle Hawks here in St. Louis, that was cool for him as a former Missouri Tiger. That was a legend there. And then he gets to have another opportunity. It was basically his last shot to play semi-professional football at this kind of a level to play in front of a significant group of fans before he went into the coaching side of things. I think it's really cool. AJ McCarron talked about it a lot last year. His kids are going to be able to actually see what it looks like for him to play instead of him riding the bench, being the guy that's just basically calling plays, helping out, you know, Joe Burrow or uh, the backup quarterback in Cincinnati on the bench. He's got a real role here and he is somebody that has, appealed himself to this fan base here in St. Louis as well. I think that's a pretty cool thing.
2: man. I, I'm with you. It's a really cool thing. And I agree. I think this is the the way to go. If I'm him, because like, if I don't even know if he would have been the backup quarterback, you'd probably still been the third string quarterback. And as a third string quarterback, man, you're always one day away from getting cut because they need the roster space for something else. It's not like a backup quarterback where you're there from start to finish because you just never know. And man, with him at his age and kind of where he's been, he got the taste of the NFL. I'm with you. Like, the only thing that would matter to me is time with my family and the commitment the commitment to an NFL season compared to a, a XFL season. And I'm not trying to take anything away from it, but it's night and day different. And you're going to be the starter where everybody is focusing on you and your kids get to be surrounded by that. I love the fact that he did it. And frankly, I think it's great for Battlehawk fans because rather than going through another quarterback and trying to latch onto it, you get some same faces and you stick with those guys that kind of have gotten you excited about the sport and the team.
0: I also think it speaks hi- highly of what they've built in St. Louis yeah. with that team. That A.J. McCarron, a guy that's been around the NFL for close to a decade now, said, hey, I," and who knows, Like he, he might end up back in the NFL. He probably will. This is a good opportunity for him to get real reps right, in, in the XFL, and then he'll probably sign with somebody prior to training camp and get an opportunity there. But it speaks highly that he was interested in coming back. He didn't have to do that. He could have said, you know what? I had my opportunity there. I, I had a good time. That was it. That's all I needed. And my kids have now seen me play. I, I don't need to go back and play, do that again in a minor league football system. It said, he decided, hey, I, I want to be released by the Bengals, so that way I have the opportunity to once again play for the, the UFL version of the Battlehawks. So kudos to him. Kudos to uh, the Battlehawks for being able to build something that appeals to a guy like AJ McCarron. Be interesting to see him back in a Battlehawk uniform. All right. I do want to talk a little bit about the rules that were announced yesterday, Alex, for the new UFL. They've gotten rid of the kickoff rule, which is disappointing to me. I I liked the way that they had it in the XFL. I actually think it's something the NFL should look to adopt moving forward.
2: The NFL kickoffs are just a waste of time.
0: I do find it interesting. They've got, I think they had this in the last iteration, if I'm not mistaken. The PAT, there's a one-point try, a two-point try, and a three-point try. And it's all actual plays, runs or passes from scrimmage. From the two yard line, if you convert, you get one point from the five yard line. If you convert, you get a two point conversion and you do have the opportunity after getting the six points for your touchdown to try for three in the PAT. If you get it from the 10 yard line in, is this something you guys would have any interest in seeing in the NFL? So, so
2: like they, they,
0: so it's like the, you know, so it's like
2: the two point conversion, but you're going for three points from the 10 yard line. Correct. I love that. Yeah. The two yard
0: line is one point five yard line is two points. The 10 yard line is three points. It's kind of like in the NBA where, or basketball where you've got anything inside of the three point line is worth two. Anything outside of it is worth three, but you got three different iterations.
2: Now I doubt we see any coaches do it in the NFL other than Dan Campbell, who just says bleep it. Let's always go for three points. But I love that. I, I just think you got to find more ways to make it exciting. I'm with you. I wish they would have done the kickoff thing in the NFL or in the uh, NFL because it, it, especially watch that Super Bowl. It's like, really, this is all we're doing. Like, why not just stop wasting this time and start? But yeah, especially in a game where you could tie things up being down by nine, nine, I mean, I love the idea of that three-point play, and I think it forces some coaches into playing it aggressively.
0: It feels kind of gimmicky. I think in the NFL you'd have to move it back a little bit more, like it'd have to be from the 15- or the 20-yard line to make it more difficult, in my opinion.
2: Oh, man, 10-yard line seems tough. That's not a whole lot of
0: space to work with. It, it, it is. But I I would imagine the success rate, and I don't know, I'd have to look at the numbers. I have no idea. I'm talking out of my you-know-what right now. But I would imagine if you've got, like, one of the best quarterbacks in the league succeeding from the 10-yard line, it's probably too much of an occurrence to be something that you'd you'd want to exist in in a late-game situation. Like, if you're up by 9, should you be able to come back and tie the game and it be a relatively, not easy, but... Uh, pretty decent margin for you to be able to get it i I think the answer is probably no it kind of changes the way that we've played football for the entire history of the game i do like the idea of like hey you can go for one with an actual play instead of a pat i've got no problem old man
2: t-bones about to show up and complain about how the sport is ruined
5: i I hate i hate that it's to one point no i hate the whole like oh you can go from here for one you can go from here for two you can go from here for three it's not backyard football. Let's play organized football for crying out loud. You'd rather see
0: a guy that has no other value to your team, <laughs> a kicker other has than a ton of value as you just saw with Butker in the Super Bowl. Sure, with an actual field goal. If you're kicking it from, you know, 20 yards away, I guess yeah. it's yeah. tough Freaking for me to say cares. when the San Francisco guy literally missed a, P- uh-huh. a, a
5: PAT. And a kicker can determine if you're going to advance in a playoff game. Yeah, I would rather see my quarterback no. do that personally. I no. You if you're down 9 points, you know what you should do. God, not go so down by 9 oh, points opportunity oh, i'm talking about the one and the two point conversion no right? i don't i don't want it i hate it i stick with the way it is in the nfl so they have changed something else as well kickers matter <laughs> no, they
0: don't this is with the punters I, I find it to me i'm curious what you guys think about it any punt that goes out of bounds inside of the receiving team's 25 yard line would be considered a touchback and it would then be placed at the 25 yard line Non-kicking touchbacks would also be placed at the 25-yard line. So a touchback goes to the 25, which is similar to the NFL's rule. But basically, you you remember the coffin corner stuff that we used to have on Madden, the the video game where you do the coffin corner game? That doesn't exist in the U.S. That's terrible.
2: They are
0: saying if the ball goes out of bounds inside of the 25 yard line, that is a touchback and the ball goes back to the 25.
2: That's terrible. I love the opportunity for a punter to be able to put you on the two yard line because they get that bounce.
0: I'm sure what they're trying to do is just promote more offense. This makes it more difficult if it does go out of the two yard line to be able to score points. So they're trying to promote. offense. Yeah, but I got an opportunity to get a safety higher higher scoring. Yeah, but that's not exciting for fans as much as it is if you have the opportunity to really go on a drive. Man, I I wouldn't do this this when I don't like it. I think they should have had it as the the typical rules, but. T Bone, do you have a? Now that a hot rule take sucks
5: too, <laughs> baby. the strategy: do, do, pin them deep. I'm with Alex. That rule's dumb. I love that. That's what. Yeah, th- punters really don't matter. That's the best I mean, thing about you, a punter. If they're promoting offense, just use the rules the NFL does. They don't allow you to play defense, so go oh, okay. ahead. Can't hit the quarterback anymore either. Yeah,
2: and they change the rules for the Chiefs in overtime. I
5: know unbelievable they do have the
0: replay review that's coming back this year designated members of the officiating department may stop a game at any time before the next play uh is is taken off to review a play if the play is then reviewable so they've got the eye in the sky thing that's coming back that is another thing that i wish the nfl T-Bow. had and yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't mind it worked out really well last time around in the xfl it didn't seem like it took super long um, Andy
5: he could have used a couple of those <laughs> super
0: dude you are not lying uh, each coach may challenge any ruling one time during the course of a game. I think that's fine, given the fact that they do have the eye in the sky thing. Um, and then overtime is going to be alternating attempts to score from the opponent's five-yard line, no kicks allowed, best-of-three format, or until the winner has been determined. So basically a shootout. Like, they're doing what the NHL does for shootout, but with Ugh. overtime. Yeah, that's
2: terrible, too.
5: You know what? This, know is, I'm yeah. this Yeah, I was going to say, I'm kind of out on all <laughs> was of this. I already there.
2: I'm kind of yeah. done. This is this is terrible. I like the PAT where you get the three points, but after that, man, this is all crap. No, you know
5: what? I ripped on the Pro Bowl games. Eh, maybe not so much anymore. That's bad. That's terrible. I have no issues with this.
2: Of course Shocker. you don't. You don't like fun. I mean, like backyard overtime football.
0: in the UFL. You're, you're not trying to sit out here and play 20 minutes of an
2: overtime period. Let's If I'm a punter, why, what, what do you need me for? Why don't you just let the backup quarterback well, come out and chuck the ball? It. You can still down it in the field of play. So yeah, like, but everybody's going to uh, fair catch it. Well, I want the ball to drop at the two-yard line and then bounce out of bounds.
0: Okay. Well, I,
5: I want to I see the ball bounce and go, oh, oh, oh. Uh, uh. I could do that, though. You could
0: remember the Lions game where they had the punt that was like the best punt I've ever seen in my entire life. It bounces at the one-yard line, goes up in the air, and then the Lions guy just unfortunately caught it in the end zone. Yeah, that was if dumb. he had caught it at the one-yard line in this league, you would be able to down it at the one. You just can't kick it out of bounds. So it, it does promote more pump Look, returns. Man, stop so. trying
2: to sell us on non-fun. Yeah,
0: we like fun. Are you fun. paid
5: by the UFL? Yeah. I'm just telling you, watch the battle. Now, why, don't you call the,
0: why don't you call The Rock up and get him on next time? He's Alex, that's Tebow, and I'm BK. I'd love yeah. to do an hour with The Rock if he's willing to come on. Coming up next, 314 no. <laughs> 399 is the Air Comfort Service text line more likely to happen here on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN What's more likely to happen? They'll figure it out BK and Ferrario's Most Likely to Happen 399-9646
0: is the Air Comfort Service X-Line for more likely to happen. You give us two scenarios. We will tell you which one is more likely. Alex, let's start with this. More likely to happen for your St. Louis Cardinals. They sign one of Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell prior to opening day or
2: sign Rich Hill.
0: They trade for somebody at the deadline that will start game one of a playoff series for them.
2: I'll say it's more likely they sign Montgomery or Blake Snell. (laughs) They're not trading for somebody who starts game one. Although I guess I could see them sign or trade for another John Lester and start him in game one and be like, this guy's great. I think if Snell or Montgomery come down to a one-year contract, which I don't see happening, but if it happened, I could see the Cardinals swooping in on that one and, and offering up to bring that last piece in. I just don't see them making any trades at the deadline because if they're out of it, I think they'll sell before they'll buy.
5: I actually say more likely they trade for somebody at the deadline that starts game one and I'm not even saying it's Dylan and I'm saying it is like Logan Gilbert, Edward Carrera from the Marlins Ooh. gets acquired and they uh
0: he's reportedly uh into Pittsburgh, I saw that yeah. he might be going to Pittsburgh.
5: Yeah, I've not seen anything though that like makes me feel confident that, that this actually Sorry. happened because I haven't seen the big names report that. Um but I I just can't see them opening up the wallet. That that Dusty old thing, man. It don't crack open that big to go get a snell or a Montgomery. Thing. Yeah, I and I, I think, I think they kind of learn their. I don't know if you can say learn their lesson, but remember the Holland experience, and it's different. But like you bring him in mid training or spring training, and it's like, oh, whoa, yeah, he actually needed a full camp. I, I think they kind of would say, yeah, you know, we're out. Yeah,
0: I'm actually with T Bone. I think it's more likely that they trade for somebody at the deadline. I, I don't think they're gonna do it. To make myself perfectly clear, but I would be shocked if they were the team that takes advantage of the Blake Snell slash Jordan Montgomery markets potentially coming back to them and taking that opportunity to sign them. Teams that do stuff like that the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Braves, you know, the teams that are actual contenders Alex, what do you got for us?
2: Uh, More likely to happen fellas, the Blues would trade Pavel Buchnevich in the offseason or trade Jordan Bennington in the offseason
5: Buch yeah
0: Easily, I, I don't think this team can trade Jordan Bennington. I think he's your franchise player. Like if the single most untouchable, I've pushed back on, uh, on this in the past with you, Alex. this was
2: reverse psychology
0: and man, I love it. The single most untouchable player on this team right now is Jordan Bennington. He's the guy.
5: That's where I am. I, I think when you look at Ben Benner I, and look, I, I love what uh, Hofer's done, but I, I think it's, been proven this year that you need to have a one-two punch mm-hmm. you can't just have a guy and i don't know what would happen if you traded bennington because i don't know if a zarenko or a backup that you bring in could hold serve with hofer so i i would say it's butch because i just he doesn't fit the kind of category that army typically resigns. you know he's gonna be when he's ready to get his next contract and that's not an army move my
2: only hesitancy with this and i will pick pavel butch davis that's more likely but my hesitancy with this is man if you see goalies that are getting offered up at this deadline and you see the return that's there on it. And if you're Doug Armstrong, like, yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. Like you need Jordan Bennington. But Jordan Bennington will have two more years at the end of this season. And if you feel like Joel Hofer is a guy that's gonna start competing, you're also not believing you're a Stanley Cup contender next season, so can you expedite this retool for a return you could get for a goaltender that a team says, well, this guy gives us a shot to win a Stanley Cup, because watching Bennington this season, I will guarantee you there are five teams in the NHL that look at that and say, we, us winning a Stanley Cup would be because we have Jordan Bennington. It's just something to ponder when the offseason comes around. <laughs> Is that the two that was on the ground with Hennessy? <laughs> <laughs> One, we're of the, watching the Chiefs, uh, one of the Kansas City Chiefs players was on the street Willie Gay. With Willie Gay with a bottle of Hennessy And they just his showed shoes him on were the off stage too. He was
0: laying on the street, took off his shoes Was sitting there just drinking his Hennessy <laughs> He's it doing was... the
5: wave with his shirt off on stage I saw Pacheco had a goat I don't even know where he a got literal a goat. goat Yeah, I don't know he how where he would have gotten a goat, goat down he, the street.
2: he took a, t- a television microphone And started screaming at cameras above him That he's got two Super Bowls in two years
0: Yep Andrew Tranquil is just going back and forth, cupping his ear to say, please give me more. This, give me more. Cause gives me lived in Los Angeles and played for the chargers where they literally did not have fans of the stands. He's like, what is this?
2: This is, this reminds me so much of watching that blues parade and seeing like Jordan Bennington steal somebody's uh, tuba in the middle of a, of a, of a marching band. <laughs> Nothing and will beat that. Robert Bortuzzo just randomly running up and down the street with his shirt off. And then of course the great Zach Sanford puking all over his car. Uh, Tough. By the way, Patrick Mahomes had his shirt off completely earlier today
0: Ooh. as well, just showing off the dad bod. So. Yeah, I was going that's, hey, that's hey, to say that. That's not it's a body you want experience. to
2: see. Oh, I mean, look who's talking right now.
0: <laughs> T-Bone, oh, but, oh, earlier, just a second ago, it looks like Brett Veach apparently said, this is what a down year looks like for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> so good for him. That's well played. T-Bone, what he got it. for us. I
5: hate the Chiefs. Uh, more likely Today's to the happen. Switches, the by the way.
0: This is it. This is the day that if you weren't there already, if you're not a fan of the chiefs, you officially hate the chiefs. This is now, the day where I was, where I was there
5: this time last year when I heard them do the same thing of
0: this is our damn year. Well, Last uh, year. That wasn't the case this year. They, they weren't good
5: more likely to happen. Caleb Williams gets the Chicago Bears to the playoffs. If he's taking a one overall, or he has a season like Bryce young.
2: Oh, I think it's gets into the playoffs because I don't think it's just Caleb Williams getting, if you're trading Justin Fields, you're trying to get back into the top 10 with another pick. Uh, although I guess you are in the top 10 with the other pick that you would have with number nine. But I think you're still trying to get another wide receiver. If you're getting Caleb Williams, you're loading up with weapons for him. So I would say you get to the playoffs. I don't think Caleb Williams is Bryce Junior Young.
5: scenario again, More likely to happen. Caleb Williams taking number one overall and gets the Bears to the playoffs. Or Caleb Williams has a season like Bryce Young.
0: Yeah, the, the playoffs. I think the situation in Chicago is much better than the situation was in Carolina. We all said it going in anybody that is drafted by Carolina is going to have a very tough time succeeding. That mm-hmm. offensive line isn't very good. They have no weapons at wide receiver. They do not have a running game and their their quarter, quarterback's coach slash office coordinator slash head coach came in and was immediately under scrutiny. Like He was reporting to the owner and having meetings weekly apparently about what the owner would have done differently from the head coach. Yo, you hired this guy to coach the team, allow him to go do his job and if he doesn't do it well, fire him. But you don't need to be giving him your ideas of what he should be. You're the owner, man. Step back. Let your football people be the Step football on. people. I, I think Chicago could absolutely make the playoffs this year. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, look at the NFC. It's wide open. So yeah, I, I just have this playoffs. weird
2: tinfoil feel that they're going to select Kayla Williams. Some team's going to be dumb enough to give up a package. For Justin Fields, that gives the Bears the opportunity to trade whatever they get in number nine to get the number four and get also Marvin Harrison Here's
5: Jr. Here's a fun one for you. Then more likely to happen, more likely to get their team to the playoffs first, Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels.
0: Where do we think Jaden Daniels is going? I think Three. he goes to Washington. Is that or no Washington? Yeah, two. Washington's two. I think they're going to take Drake, Drake They probably take Drake. May. So you're probably Three thinking New, New, New England. England. Uh, I think Caleb Williams. Yeah, I, I think, think Caleb Chicago's Williams. actually a pretty good spot. I think people are underestimating how good of a situation this is for them now Mm -hmm. it's a tough division but i think it's a pretty good landing spot all things considered they had a decent defense this past season you've got a number one wide receiver you've got a decent running game that offensive line has vastly improved from what it was previously if caleb williams is as good as everybody thinks he is and that's the biggest question
5: to me i I think they could win nine ten games next year i'm kind of with you i I would say caleb williams but it's not even so much that i'm convince it's a good spot because i'm still skeptical of that it's more of okay it's either afc in new england or it's nfc well which conference sucks it's the nfc so i would say that would be why i believe that chris Carver, voice of the blues coming up
0: next here on 101 espn we're right back to the pk and
1: ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn bring out the It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor.
0: And I'm Brandon Kylie. We're going out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by our friend, the voice of the Blues. He's Chris Kerber, as he does each and every Wednesday here on BK and Ferrario Curbs. We appreciate the time as always, man. Last night, the Blues finished the game with 15 shots. The last time that they had that few shots in a game was February 20th of 2015. What did you make of the way that they came out and performed in that one, Curbs?
4: Yeah, disappointing game,
0: disappointing result
4: for whatever the reason is. That that was going to be the way I looked at it. A very difficult game to win, anyway, considering you know what Toronto had gone through most recently. Um, and to do so and to beat Toronto with the way that they can score, you really got to have. A, you've got to have close to your A game. They are that good of a team, and that wasn't close to their A game. I mean that that fourth line of Sunquist. Torepchenko and Walker I thought was fantastic, and that was really about it for the St. Louis Blues. So a disappointing one. So, you know, in the micro, you're frustrated with that loss. In the macro, it's a good 2-1 road trip, and you come back at it and see what you can do against McDavid tomorrow night.
2: And they're in a playoff spot still, Curbs. Now, the tough part is you do have Seattle, who's playing better as of late, Calgary, Nashville, that are all kind of chomping at your heels for that playoff spot. I know Doug Armstrong, I know Tim Taylor, I know Al McInnes were on this three-game road trip. Where do you feel like the pulse of this team is at with Doug Armstrong?
4: Well, Peter Shirelli was on it as well, and and part of the reason was is there was a a junior tournament, a Four Nations tournament, uh, that a lot of teams were at. So, like, when we went into... When we went into Montreal, you know, Neil Komodowski, a local guy who scouts scouts for Vancouver, was in Montreal. Alex Brooks, who scouts for the Blackhawks, he was in Montreal. Uh, You know, so there were a lot of scouts on on this last trip. To your point and question, Alex, uh, I would say, you know, if you want to play the role of general manager or you want to try to put yourself in Doug Armstrong's shoes here, what I would suggest you do is kind of always keep in mind big picture and where you're at. Like, that's now two stinkers in the last four games, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
4: you know, even though, even though you're separated by those 10, uh, those 10 days. You know, you look at certain aspects of the team, and, you know, you're seeing some positives in Torovchenko and neighbors, and Robert Thomas is having a good year. You know, but uh, some of the veterans, I don't think you're seeing some, some really good consistent play out of, you know, on a regular basis. And so how do you move? Who do you move? What types of changes do you do? That's all I'm not exactly sure, but I, but I think I think Doug's probably looking at this realistically, like this is right where I thought the team could be battling for a playoff spot down the stretch, and knowing that he's got another year of examples of how things are going to look, and uh, and and he'll go from there. Now the challenge, guys, as we're I think we're 11 games away from the trade deadline. Yeah, guys, to, to me the challenge is really going to be look at any move, and Cap Friendly's pretty close to things. Like, depending on the moves that you can make or would make or what other teams could go, you know – How much does it make your team better, worse, or whatever in a certain scenario? And there's a lot of teams that really don't have much cap space this year. So that's going to dictate a ton here.
2: To that point, Curbs, you know, at the beginning of the season, I feel like the narrative was, you know, well, maybe there's not a lot of interest for the players that are on the Blues roster around the National Hockey League. Now that they've won seven of their last nine games, do you feel like there might be more interest in players on the Blues team?
4: Yeah, you know what, when you look at how this season has gone, the cap is going to go up. I think that there actually could be some legit interest, and in, frankly, a lot of guys. Um, you know, you've got you've got some defensemen that now have after this year, it'll be three years left at at reasonable deals around six point five, um, and and when you look at what you can get, you know, for for that in the free agent market, these guys look a little bit like bargains. Um, on on the flip side, uh, you know, you you've got. You've got forwards that have some some national uh, some Stanley Cup championship experience now with just a couple years left. Like I do believe that there are some hockey deals to be made. You just don't see too many of those from a trade deadline standpoint. So, um, you, you know, like, like I heard you guys just talking. I'm, I'm with you on the Jordan Bennington thing. I don't know if we're all going to be right on that, but I hope we are because I agree with what you guys were saying. There's just there's teams that are looking for defense. There's teams that are looking for forwards, and there's teams that are looking for goaltending. And you know the one thing the Blues have all of? (laughs) <laughs> some of all of that now they don't have enough to be a stanley cup contender at the moment but they've got some of all of it so i i gotta think that doug's phone is going to be ringing for some things
0: curbs final question that i had in that regard and this is something that we talked about a little bit earlier today as well is the possibility of going out of this year's deadline and, and acquiring something that is essentially a starting point for your off season where you're not getting a one-year rental to just help you for this potential playoff run that doesn't really make sense given where the blues are at but going out and getting a player, maybe it's a Jacob Chikrin. Maybe it ends up being a Noah Hannafin that you resign sign this offseason. Maybe it ends up being a young player like Robertson, who we saw last night, that is here for the next three to five years and is a part of the next core group of players. Is that something you could see Doug Armstrong being interested in, in this, at this year's deadline? Yeah, Brandon, I think that that's what he
4: is looking for. I, I don't think his philosophy this year has changed much from what it was last year, which is if we can find a, uh, it, it, we being him, if, if he says, look, if I if I can find a, a player that's in that 24 to 27 range with term on his contract that can be part of a young core, you know, centered around Kyrou, Thomas, neighbors, you know, the guys coming in next year, the Pareco the Bennington, the Hofer, that kind of stuff, uh, the Kessels, that, that that's what he's looking for. Now, the one thing that I think could facilitate that is, like I said, some teams are going to have to go dollars in, dollars out. You know, so depending on what you're getting, depending on on what you're getting back, you know, very few teams that are in the thick of it, no matter the sport, do they like to subtract from their roster? But if some teams think that there can be an upgrade, maybe they have to. So, yeah, I see them looking for that kind of for, for that type of player. Sometimes those guys are hard to find at the at the trade deadline, but that that is the direction that this that this team is going. I and look, the other thing, I, I could see them, I could see them acquiring. Maybe somebody that, uh, you know, I, I could see the Blues acquiring some, something that, uh, take, taking somebody whose expiring contract is this year just to let them go and be a free agent, right? Mm-hmm. Something that could free up cap space for the St. Louis Blues over the next couple of years, which I think is important too. So well, one thing to keep in mind, guys, and, and I know we'll talk a lot about this more as, as the trade get deadline gets even closer. There are some philosophies with general managers where cap space can be as good as a player. Because it gives you the freedom to make decisions, so I think part of the structure of what the Blues would be doing right now is seeing if they can probably find a little more cap space to maneuver things moving forward.
2: Real quick, curve, started to throw all the, the trade questions at you, but I am curious. You know, of course, they got the tenth overall pick this last off season in the draft. They took Dalibor to Dvorsky. Do you think a first round draft pick for this year, or the next couple of years, is still that important to Doug Armstrong like it was last year?
4: Yeah, I think it's. I still think it's very important now. Uh, depending on who you talk to, this draft isn't as deep as the as the one that was last year. Um, I, I did talk to some people over the weekend, as I told you there were a lot of scouts on these trips, that talked about this being a, a deep defensive draft, and if you look at the Blues farm system, that's something that they could use, right? It is defensemen. They've got a first-round pick, they've got two second-round picks, they've got two third-round picks. Uh, I, I believe they're pretty confident that, you know, three out of the top 60, that they can get what they're looking for, but yeah, if Look, if somebody steps up and is willing to offer you another first-round pick, uh, you are still in a retool mode where that that could be very valuable, I think, and, and would definitely steer some of the conversations.
0: Hey, Curves, we appreciate the time, man. Enjoy yourself tomorrow night. Another fun one. Blues versus the Maple Leafs last night. Blues versus the Oilers tomorrow. A lot of star power over the last couple of games against St. Louis. We'll talk with you again next week, my man. All right, guys. Have an awesome rest of the week. That's Chris Kerber, Voice of the Blues, here on 101 ESPN, joining us as he does each and every Wednesday. Coming up next, we'll give you a chance to score a pair of tickets to see Luke Bryan, and we'll wrap this thing up with a BK and Ferrario Rewind here on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Gloria Loom, your home sold guaranteed realty. Selling your home begins at GloriaHasTheBuyers.com.
0: Now's your opportunity, a pair of tickets to see Luke Bryan on July 28th at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you are texture number 101 with a correct answer to the following question, you are getting the pair of tickets to see Luke Bryan. Alex's wife last week went somewhere, which meant that Alex had to watch the two little ones at home for a week, and it led to a lot of shenanigans. What where did his wife go? If you have the correct answer to that, your text number 101 at 314 9646 You are getting the pair of tickets to see... Luke Bryan. For more information, go to 101ESPN.com. By the way, that is where you can go if you want to check out the podcast from today's show, 101ESPN.com, or the free 101ESPN app. It's all presented by
2: Dobbs Tire and Auto Center.
0: Alex, to finish up today's show, I do want to get back to some of what John Mosellock had to say uh, earlier today, specifically
2: on. The presidential candidates are old?
0: The, the Yadier Molina oh. front, which is that he's not going to be in camp at any point over the next few weeks. Are you guys surprised to learn this? No.
5: No, the I, guy I, left for a whole bait like a baseball. Yeah, month the guy is going to
2: show up probably two weeks before they they report for the start of the regular season, and then he'll be there for a little bit at the regular season, and then he'll disappear again until like April or, or I'm sorry, May or June. This is exactly what I expected with Yachty. Yachty's going to do what Yachty wants to do.
0: It's why I'm glad he didn't take the um, bench coach job. I don't think it would have worked. Not, not now. Maybe eventually that could have. Huh?
5: You need the bench coach in spring. It
0: turns out, what? yeah, he's yeah. like. In charge of spring yeah, disc- training. I did see the Descalso there. He's no. not in Puerto well, Rico. Well, here's the thing:
2: you don't need a bench coach to get practice for managing. You yeah. need a manager to get practice for managing. Ask
0: totally Mike fair point. Mike Schilt,
5: how his bench coach is running frankly.
0: Final thing: we'll get out of here on this. If you haven't seen it, go look up the videos of Travis Kelsey. Oh, gosh.
5: My my man is fun.
0: out of his mind. In the words of Travis today. Kelsey. I got it. <laughs> he wasn't drinking beer instead he had a bottle of don julio oh my god (laughs) so that is what led to his speech and what took place he tried to sing like four different songs didn't know the words to any of them travis kelsey Having the best year ever yes. or
2: the worst year? <laughs> best year ever. He is going to be the man of the year 2024. Best year ever. Chiefs becoming more liked or more hated today? Oh, I, I love them even more I think after more that. I'm more hated, but I think I love Travis Kelsey more. Okay. Travis Kelsey is my spirit animal. I feel like
0: this is the parade that like normally would s- send people in the other direction. Might have actually gotten people goat, to like them.
2: There was a naked man with Hennessy and some man blurring words. Fastlane's next. We'll be back tomorrow. I- Da-da-da-da! Yachty's here! <laughs>